Bam. Um, yeah, man, how how you feeling, sir? How's the body holding up? Uh, really well, really well. Uh, just finished uh, my last uh, SBD session for this block, and I ended up with my best total to this date. Obviously, training, but so yeah. Pacing well, my friend. Yeah, yeah, we're we're pacing well. Yeah. Have you posted that yet? Uh, no, I think I'll post tomorrow. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I noticed you hadn't posted it yet, kind of. <laughs> I noticed it, kind of. And 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 our boy Roy, Rory is uh, stuck in purgatory. Yeah, I'm not even allowed outside at the moment. Uh, so you're not even allowed to look outside, dude. This, this is where I am <laughs> for the next five days. That's right. What, yeah. what do you have weights there, Rory? I've got jack shit. Jack shit. Damn. I have enough That's room rough. to do press ups on the floor. Um, oh wow! Do you guys call them press ups in New Zealand? We call them push ups, bro. <laughs> well, push ups, whatever. This is a cultural clash right now. We're already <laughs> off on the wrong foot. We don't get each other. We're, we're, we're never cultural... going to resolve this. That's right. There's a cultural divide between us. I'm afraid we won't be able to bridge. Um, yeah, you guys were. It's interesting. You guys were knee deep into the New Zealand nationals. And then like halfway through, you got the plug pulled on. You're like, well, I guess we're stopping like right now. Yeah, so we, so nationals was a, was a five day event starting earlier this week. I was supposed to be on a plane on my way back as we're recording this. Um, and so we got into the first day. So first day was all the masters lifters. Uh, we finished the, the, all of the women were in the, in the morning session. We finished that session. It was going great. We were like, this is going to be awesome. Um, running, uh, running weigh-ins and, and I get this text message being like, you know, uh case case found in auckland gonna be an announcement tonight and i was like oh fuck okay well guess where start so started the afternoon session like men squatted you know people are starting to be like oh there's a there's a there's a covid case of course we haven't had anything for like you know six months at this point um uh, there's a covid case in auckland like what's gonna happen and we're like you know on the on the mic you know just we'll make an announcement when we know what's going on like nothing's confirmed yet you know six o'clock rolls around and we get this this announcement from um the prime minister and our and, our, and the uh director of, of health or whatever his name is um and they're like uh yeah whole country going to level four lockdown for for seven days um and so level four lockdown is you only place you can go is the supermarket and the pharmacy um there's no delivery there's no you know uh non-essential stuff doesn't ship you you can't go to work. You can go for like walks in your local neighborhood, but that's it. Um, and only wearing a mask. Um, and so like, ah, oh, fuck, cancel nationals, fly back, mechanical problems with a lot of people's flights. We were in, uh, in Chicago, which is like the very, very Southern tip of, of New Zealand. Um, and so everyone had to, you know, fly back to their various places around the country. Um, a whole bunch of people got stuck in the airport um, because, you know, the, the, one of the planes broke down. Um, yeah airports are real fucking strange at level four because you can't be within two meters of anyone else so instead of having like you know couches and like little blocks of chairs they have like individual chairs like with like these massive gaps between them just like lined up across the uh like the front of the windows and stuff um of course there's there's no food there's no drinks you can't like you can't go to the cafe you can't get something from the vending machine um so it was a, like a really long trip back to back to auckland um, and, uh, then my flatmate found out she's a uh, close contact of one of the uh, COVID cases here in Auckland. Um, oh, wow. so now my whole flat is not even allowed to go outside for exercise. We are, we are confined to the house until she returns to negative COVID tests. This is what I pictured when you were at nationals, 
and and the news came out that there was a COVID test, and it was like, oh, there's, there's a COVID. You hear someone's got COVID, and you're like on on the commentary, you're like, all right, now everybody, calm down. We're gonna proceed until we find out anything new. Nationals continues on, we're like fucking halfway through deadlifts or like second attempts, and Rory comes on there, and goes, all right, everybody, head to the exits. Immediately, shut the lights off. Someone's literally deadlifting hand. Shut the fucking, shut the goddamn lights off and just shut it, shut it down. Shut it. Stay calm. Stay calm. But he's yelling. That's what, that's what it was like, man. That's what it was like. like so we actually, like, we actually got six hours warning. So we came out with the microphone like between bench and deadlifts, and we were like, okay, so we've got six hours till we go into lockdown. We're going to finish the session because, you know, this is only going to take like another hour to wrap up. Um, everyone just like calm down. If you're already in the room, you can stay in the room, but we're not taking any new new people to come in. Like if, if you're here, you can stay, but, but, but you no had a gun in here. You're saying this. So that's the difference. You had a gun. A pistol, oh yeah. And I already had like a scarf pulled up over my face and I'm like, and a pistol in hand when you're like, this is a powerlifting mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you make the end Everyone stay calm. I have six bullets in this. And I'm going to start firing. Stay calm, though. Okay. If you want to be one of the six. If you want to be one, if you want to be a hero, this is the hill you die on. Because you go, we're going to finish the deadlift session. We're going to warm up for the next. And we'll see how it goes. Like, the, one, the one day that we did get through was really good. We got through all of the master's lifters. Um, there was some great lifting. The the meat was looking really slick. So yeah, it was going it was going really well. Um, and it, and it's looking like it's going to be rescheduled to later in the year. And hopefully, we just don't have another flare up before then. Yeah, kind of is what it is. But it was it's it's so crazy to see your your story. And um, you were like everything's just rocking and rolling great. You're in your suit and the whole nine's going great. And then you're like, you, the look on your face is like that was the the prime minister. And then you're like, well, catching a flight home. That's that. So yeah, it's like did, did they do that because there was like one case of COVID or like a lot of them? Uh let me let me explain. So there was only one case of COVID at the time that the, the lockdown was announced. Um but what people seem to have still not fucking gathered at this point is, uh -oh, is how exponential curves work. Um so like there was one case when it was announced, there was <clears> seven <throat> by midnight when the actual lockdown started. There was 22 by 9 a.m. the next Holy day, shit, you know, like dude. Like this is how exponential curves work. So yeah, there was one, but the dude had been walking around downtown Auckland for five days, contagious before he got tested, right? Mm -hmm. And so by the time he we we knew that he was positive, he'd probably already infected over a hundred people, who have then probably infected another hundred oh, people who, each. Who is this social asshole though? Hey, what's going on here? Why couldn't it happen? Uh, some Dungeons and Dragons dude who's, who wants to stay. Hey, I'm a Dungeons and Dragons dude. Oh, sorry. <laughs> But yeah, like he, like he he went to like this famous sports bar in in the Coromandel oh, Peninsula. So you know he drove three out three hours to a sports bar that probably had four hundred people in it. Oh, he wow. um you know he went to a bunch of with and restaurants and uh lived in a house with four other people. Um, Perfect. You know, like so yeah, it is what it is what it is, right? And so now we've got this list of locations of interest. And if you've been in one of the locations of interest, you have to get tested and you're not allowed outside till till you've returned a positive test. Um, and, the, and there's like 60 new locations of interest added every day. Like, you know, there's a couple of them that are like 400 meters up the road from my house. And I'm like, oh God, I think I walked past there like, like around that time. And yeah. Is it, is it, New Zealand's not a, it's an island. It's not huge. Is it, is it pretty condensed population? 
Uh, so New Zealand is a, is a really long archipelago. Um, and so it's made up of like over 400 islands and sort of a chain, but there's sort of like three main islands. Um, and most of New Zealand is not very densely populated, but Auckland city, which is where I live, there's 1.5 million people in like a relatively small area. Mm. Like if you, uh, if you transplanted Auckland city into North America, it would be like the fifth or sixth biggest city in, in North America. So on the whole, like there's, there's big areas that are just like sheep and, and uh, like giant eagles or something. Um, but, but, but Auckland city and, and Wellington city in particular are very, very densely populated. Yeah. New Zealand's fascinating, huh, Penna? Yeah. I, I would really like to go there, but I'm afraid of snakes and dragons. And spiders. spiders. We don't have snakes or spiders. I think you're thinking of Australia, man. No, but they have dragons. You, dude. Man, I'm sure man. they do. If, if you compare the spiders that you guys have to the spiders they, that I have in Paris, it's like a completely different story, you know, so. They have spiders. Rory's lion. Yeah. They also yeah, have I dragons. Think... They have dragons and dwarfs with swords that fight them, <laughs> that fight the dragons. It's crazy. It's the man. cave trolls you need to watch out for, man. It's the cave trolls. Don't get me started on the cave trolls, dude. It's a, it's a wild place over there. But, um, but yeah. it's crazy. It's great to see the differences in, in like, how, how the situation is handled because here in France, we still have COVID cases, but uh, we're like far away from lockdown, uh, at least for now. Uh, let's hope I don't butcher everything, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're far away from lockdown from, for now. And um, although we have like the sanitary pass, which is like, basically you have to have a proof that you're either vaccinated or you, or you have to have a, a less than three days a negative COVID test where like you can't go into bars, you can't go into restaurants, you can't go like even pick up your food. No, normally you can't. Uh, but oh, no besides thing. that, like in, in, the in the street, like nobody wears masks anymore. But if everyone's vaxxed and then also tested, you're getting like, it's just different ways of approaching it, right? Yeah. Um, I was doing, yeah, it's a little bit different here. But we're on, um, I do like a little bit of acting, but nothing big, right? Just like on the side for fun more. And I was on I was a show- the movie, Ryan. What's that? Tell us about that movie you showed me, right? All right. See, this is my man. He feeds me these lines. You see, that's that's Rory. Rory's, Rory knows how to set me up. Lobs it down the middle and I fucking hit out at the park. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so, but before I'm allowed, uh, before anyone's allowed on set, we have to do like COVID tests and whatnot. Like, so some, some fields of work and stuff there is, I think that might be like you and you know, whatever, but the I don't know. I'm not entirely sure how it works. It kind of changes from place to place and then province to province, region to region too. And that's just one nation. But um, yeah, man, it is what it is. So, so your, your body's been feeling good, man, because you were dealing with sometimes here and there some injuries. Was it the yeah. lower back? Yeah, yeah. It was like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's the same word in English, but it's called lumbago. Uh, Lumbar, yeah. Lumbar spine, yeah. Yeah, it's like... Uh, a huge massive like spasm in your low back and then you're blocked for like four or five days yeah and you know i did some some work on my technique and uh programming strategies and now i'm like a hundred percent like today i i deadlifted like two to 90 kilos holy shit uh, and i was like and i doubled 282.5 on on tuesday i think I think uh, I reposted that one. Uh, no, I didn't post it. No, no, I reposted 280. Uh, 280, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, uh, really, I, I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm really feeling awesome lately, physically uh, and mentally also, I think. So 
yeah, but buddies, hundred percent. It's it's we talked a little bit in DMs and how right now I'm doing the um, Taylor Atwood program, and uh, it's fucking insane. Like the it's um, and one of the biggest things I've learned is survival. It come <laughs> down to like uh, so I know exactly what you mean when you start approaching things differently. Like all right. I'm going to shoot for this on the top set, but I need to really, you start really paying attention to your body. Once you have little tweaks only through like, like experience, you start realizing like, this is the signs last time when I started going down possible injury, this is what started feeling like, you know, how before, before it happens, before you get injured, you don't know if you're just like need to gut it out and push through it. Or if you're like actually getting close to getting injured until it already happens. Cause you almost, if you got heart and determination, like you do, you're going to, you can gut through almost anything. Like you're going to like, if you like, I'm going to fucking do this, you're going to do this. And only after you tip over looking back, you could be like, okay, now I know that was inappropriate feeling. Like that was on my way to injury. Now I need to hold it back. And for some people that don't push themselves like that, it sounds crazy, but I know what you mean where you're oh. like, now I know. Yeah. And, and also, I think there's a really cool segue here uh, because I want to I, I want to throw that in because, you know, a lot of people only see what Taylor posts on Insta and Taylor posts like people post whatever they want on Instagram. And I think people have to realize that that maybe you, you failed the top set that you didn't post and you just posted what you wanted to post, you know, and people see Taylor at would like, quote unquote, easy on his sets, on his work on his squat, bench, deadlift, whatever. And they assume that he trains light and that his training is easy. And so you should train easy in order to be as strong as Taylor is. And now that you are doing the Taylor Atwood program and we have two, two lifters in France that also joined uh, TSG. And uh, I also talked with them and they told me like, dude, it's brutal. Like I never trained that hard in my life. And it's not only about hitting heavy singles. It's like uh, a certain amount of work you do on a weekly basis. And so now you can say for people being like, hey man, Taylor Atwood, always RP6, never above. Now you can tell them, my guys, I think it's not the reality here, you know? <laughs> Dude, I, I look at, he slid in my DMs a couple of times leading into nationals. <laughs> and I, I, I had an idea of what he was going to do at nationals. You never know until the day of, but he hit deadlifts and straight up passed out and fell into the squat racks. He's had, he had moments of like, um, a hamstring pull on one of his deads because it was like, yeah, like you work, man. Like some of them are smooth. Some days are not smooth. Like it's to your point. Yeah, man, you don't post everything though. Like he doesn't want to give people encouragement or, or even know too much. He gave me a couple, he sent me a couple videos. He's like, you cannot repost this. And I was like, oh my God, that's a juicy squat. Or, oh my God, I went, he's like, don't repost it. I'm just letting you see. And I'm like, holy shit, Taylor. And he's, and that's when he made that post. You guys think you're close. But you have no you're idea. not, but you have no idea. <laughs> and he yeah. wrote that in the caption. And I knew it. I was like, fuck. I was like, damn. He's like, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to say something. I think it's like probably the most badass thing ever in powerlifting history. Like, <laughs> like what he said and then what he did afterwards. Yeah, I think yeah. It has to be the most badass thing in, in the whole sports history till now, at least. Isn't it? Isn't it like everyone wants that moment where you could be 
like you come up with something like every like it's first off it's a really close battle it's a, like everyone's like oh who's gonna win who's gonna win and you come up with something like fucking cocky like a like a taylor atwood would and you say something like that in the caption and everyone's like oh fuck and then you it, it, like but when you do that you are risking everybody who hates that cocky guy to throw it in your face if it doesn't work out. Yeah. It, it, that is the yin and the yang. You can't have both. Do you mm. want to be that guy? Do you want to be like the Muhammad? You know how many people hated Muhammad Ali or, or I don't know, insert whoever the fuck is a confident athlete? You know how many people hated them? Like if you're going to be Taylor Atwood, you know how many people are going to hate you for being so cocky and confident walking in there? But it is what it is, man. When you hit it, you hit it right out the park. I think, though, the line between being a cocky, confident athlete and just sounding like a straight-up asshole is really thin, though. It is. Not a lot of people can can do it and can handle it like the way he's doing it and handling it. So Uh, I'd say most people that are doing it are doing it, like, quote-unquote, wrong, and they only look like assholes. Like, it's what I think, at least. But there are really a few people who can do it like he did it, and... I got news for you, though. There's a lot of people who still think he's an asshole. I fucking love it. But there are people, <laughs> I do, like, it is what it is. Everyone knows. But, um, like, his podcast with us, I have listened to that podcast he did with us so many times. Like, I use it as motivation. Like, I love that kind of talk. Like, that, and um, that that little snippet, the video I put of Taylor talking like the, it is, is snippets of the podcast in it. And it was hyping the podcast, which fucking blew by the way. And, um, that video got shared like, a, like over a thousand times or something. It was crazy. Like everyone loved that the sound bites Taylor was giving. And for everybody who loved it and was like, hashtag goat talk, hashtag, like, you know, champions mindset, whatever. There are people who like, they, they hate that kind of like you have to, it's almost like, you have to be comfortable with both. Some people are going to love it. The Mamba mentality, the black Mamba, like Kobe Bryant. Some people love that shit. And other people like, you're a narcissist. I can't wait till you lose. You know, like it's, it's the way it is, man. What yeah. do you think is like, what do you, what's the line for you between confident and arrogant? I, I think uh, there, that's, there's something that uh, I think it was for Worlds in Sweden where uh, they did like a little SBD video of, of him warming up, et cetera, et cetera. And he was like with his father and his father is like, like, it's time to back it up. And I think that's where the line is drawn for me. Um, and also it's obvious when you're uh, like playing a role that's not yours. Mm. And when you're saying something like outrageous just to get, you know, responses and, and stuff. And it's something different to be like, you think you're close, but you have no idea. Like saying that he's not insulting anyone. He's just making a statement. Like you think that this is going to happen, but I'm assuring you it's not going to happen. It's going to happen this way. So I think, yeah, not playing a role, saying something that shows your confidence, but not necessarily like overdoing it. And also obviously backing it up at the end. So I think the line of his father was like, uh, either put up or shut up. Now it's time to back it up or something like that. I think it was along those lines. And yeah, I, I think that's Sounds like something different. an old guy would say. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think there's also a line of putting yourself up and putting other people down. Like a lot of people come into the cocky thing and it's and it's like, I'm good because I'm better than you and you suck, which is which is quite different to I'm good 
because I train real hard and and yeah. I am going to beat you. Like that's like those are like quite different statements as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's that's really the uh, like from what I've seen and uh, because I also listened to the podcast you you guys did with him. Uh, I, I didn't sense any like negativity towards the competition. He was just like, I think I'm strongest. I'm I'm the best, and that's what I did. You know, I, I just showed that I'm the best. So. Yeah, uh, I, I think that there's the difference also. Like, it's not, I'm, I'm just stronger, you know, that's it. What do you think about this, fellas? I want both your opinions on this. So there is that whole backing it up. Um, and I agree with that, right? Like confidence without proof is, is like, it, it's weak, whatnot. But there's also, and people have different opinions on this, do you does it go too far so far as winning solves everything there's a fucking polarizing quote winning solves everything and by saying that let me let me let me throw some scenarios out there let, let's fucking let's gangbang this thing okay um, <laughs> um did that not translate well to Fred? given given <laughs> yeah. the context of the podcast and the messages that's right, we that's sent right. each other yeah man it's, it's a little yeah, okay weird. we're on point we're on point um <laughs> If like almost everything you've said about how everything you're going to do, as soon as you win, does it validate it? So like, okay, now, now that wasn't cocky. That was confident because I won or could you overstep the line or like, like does winning change it? If you if you lost, does that change how you behave leading up to like, what are your guys thoughts on winning solves everything? Because to be honest, or go ahead, Rory, you look, do you want to go first, Tanner? Uh, I have something in my mind, and I'm afraid I'll forget it. Um, so I, I know this will this will uh, like echo to you, Ryan, as well, because you're an MMA fan, and uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm an MMA fan, but you know I, I like to I like to follow it and, and watch it. And like there was uh, the title fight with between uh, Jorge Masvidal and uh, Kamaru Usman, yeah. and so Masvidal is like you know the badass guy we know and he was talking a lot of shit going up uh, going into the event and at the end you know he got knocked out like cold like i think first time of his pro career or something yeah. like that like clean. 50 fights 50 fights first yeah. time ever yeah and he's he's a badass dude so you know getting not knocked out cold by usman and also on like striking which was the point of the trash talk like you're not a good striker like i'm going to outstrike you and so on you know anyways and I think the way he handled the loss validated everything he said prior to the event because he was like, he just was the better guy today. You know, I, I just don't have anything to say. I wouldn't, th I, I didn't think that he would strike so hard and he would knock me out cold, like props to him. And I, before that happened, I would probably have said something like, I think, yeah, win solves everything. But uh, seeing what happened afterwards and how people reacted around him, et cetera, et cetera. And also the way he behaved uh, afterwards. I think that sometimes whatever you, whatever you win or you lose, um, it's really all about your mentality and like, what are you going to do next? So yeah, I don't, I don't think winning solves it all. It, it, it helps a lot that, yeah, I think you, you, can, you can solve some things in losses as well. That's a good point because yeah, maybe it's if win or lose, if you're if you hold yourself well afterwards, 
Like if you won and you could really rub it in the other guy's face and you choose not to, you shake his hand anyways, even though we talk mad shit about you, you talk shit about him and now you won and you walk over there and you shake his hand like, well done, you know, hats off to you, push me. That says a lot. Or if you lose and you walk over there, shake his hand like, well done. It helps. What do you think, Rory? Like, so, so Panna made the point that you can, you can lose and still be, and still, and still back it up to an extent, right? Like you can still, uh, lose in a, in a way that is good um and I, I would i would add to that that you can also win in a way that still makes you an asshole um like yeah winning helps a lot right like you talk shit and you don't win like that's you know you you, you almost look like asshole, an asshole by default um but if you win and you sort of win in a way that isn't particularly convincing you still look like an asshole, right? Like you talk a mad shit about how you're going to kick somebody's ass, uh, say in an MMA fight, and then you win on a close decision. Like nobody, like that's that's not really backing it up, right? Like or or imagine going into Worlds in 2019, had Jezza been talking mad shit and then he won because Ray bombed. Like He's no like, one would I look at that and you. be like, like <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah, like he backed that up, right? No, he didn't win. Jezza, uh, like Ray lost um which is which is a which is a different thing he still would have looked like an asshole of course jezza d- doesn't talk mad shit so that's so so it's fine um and there's and there's still a line that somewhere for where where if you cross it you're an asshole regardless of of how well you did and and how well you like carry yourself afterwards yeah mm. i mean it's the thing is with all with we love a winner though here's the thing people are quicker to forgive a winner if you consistently win though huh like we, we start making excuses for you. Like if Michael Jordan was an asshole and he just like was an asshole to his teammates, which like it, by a lot of accounts, he, he even said he was at times. I mean, Kobe Lance Bryant, Armstrong's a great example, right? Dude was a massive jerk and everyone seems to forget about it and everyone knows his name. Because we make excuses for winners and we say like, that's part of the personality that makes him what you can't have both. You want a nice guy? He's probably not going to be a consistent winner. Like you can, but it's, there's something about a fucking narcissist because the narcissist believes the world revolves around them. And that belief is insane to try to break when it comes down to the wire. And they honestly think they're a gift from God. They're like anointed. They're like, I'm different than you. You're a mortal. Like they're like walking in there with that. Like my, like mid, I can't even be around you. Anyone who's around you with the real life would be like, fuck me. You'd be hard to work with. But when it comes down to that sport, they'd be so hard to push off path and intimidate when they actually believe. And they'll like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's one of those deals where you almost can't have one without the other at certain points. Like does this sports do narcissists do better in sports? Do you think? So uh, I have a, a really interesting story. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, and also it will give context for uh, worlds. So we have a guy on the 74 kilo team in France. Um, and he's in the open team right now with me. And so leading into nationals, uh, I was talking with some, some friends of him and they were like, man, we don't know if he's even going to compete, to compete. Like he, his back is like all, all jacked up and, and he, he he, I, I don't think he, he was able to train like the last week properly, like destroyed, you know, the, like, they were like, we don't even think that he's going to be able to compete, you know, and funny story, I think he didn't have deadlift socks and they had to find deadlift socks for him, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it, it pictures the guy. And so uh, 
he was in the group after me. And so I, I wasn't really watching what he was doing, but uh, when I, I was uh, finished up deadlifting, I, I checked the, the board and I see like, uh, I think a 257 squat, uh, like 150 bench, and he deadlifted like 308 or 307 or okay. something like that. And yeah. I was like, man, what happened? Because th their bodies, like, they didn't lie to me. You know, they were like, we don't even think he's going to compete. And yeah. the thing is that the guy was sure he was able to do that. And, um, you know, he, he's not really aware of, like, programming stuff and so on. And I think that he, he just believed it. You know, he was like, I'm here to do something and I'm here to compete. And so he put himself into this position where he just did it. And, you know, maybe having a guy with, like, um, overthinking stuff would be like, oh, you know, it's nationals, we're close from worlds, maybe I should back it up, maybe I shouldn't go all in, maybe I shouldn't squat this or I shouldn't deadlift this and that. And the guy was like, you know, absolutely no doubt. And he was like, I'm just going to do it. And he just did it. So I think that sometimes, you know, he's, I don't think he's a narcissist. I don't know him that well, but I don't think he is. I think he's just a really like believer, like he believes mm -hmm. in himself and he's like, Today, I'm going to be the best. And these days, he was the best 74 uh, on the platform. So when Ryan asked that question just then, do narcissists do better in sports? I, go I, I hopped on Google Scholar and, and looked it up. Um, and I've actually found a paper that backs up exactly what Pan is just saying. Oh, it's really? called Pass Me the Ball, Narcissism and Performance Settings. And I've only read the abstract because it's only been like a minute. But, um, but it suggests that, at least based on the abstract, it looks like uh, narcissists do actually perform better in sports, particularly in situations where there is perceived glory on the line. Um, and so in a case like nationals, where there is actually glory available for, for doing well, or something like powerlifting, where you can post everything that you do on Instagram and, you know, likes are a reasonable substitute for, for glory, I guess. Um, it could be that, that there is actually a performance benefit to being a narcissist in some sports. I 100% believe that. I remember a buddy of mine was telling me, this is like some years ago, he, he's a filmmaker and he was into documentaries and he had recently saw a documentary was tinkering around with working with some athletes about how naughty kind of like Penny was saying, it wasn't even necessarily narcissism. It focused on, but belief period that when your science breaks down, so let's say you haven't eaten, you haven't hit the, you haven't hit the weights you're supposed to, I'm relating it to powerlifting. We do relate it to whatever sport you want. When science breaks down and the numbers would indicate certain things, it shouldn't add up to a PR performance. And there are more than just powerlifting in terms of sports that are completely not opinion-based, but by the numbers. If you're talking track, swimming, you know, jumping for all the different, different events where it is by numbers. So it's not opinion-based. And you could look into some of the training and where science is broken down and they're like, you should not hit the same numbers. Sleep was down. Calories are down. The training that you would hit in terms of, um, you know, kilometers logged in terms of jogging or weightlift or whatever, everything's down. But they did a study on those that had a belief system, like a belief. Now, I mean, it, whether it's religious whether it's like a narcissism belief that you fucking think you're something special, whether you just believe the universe has chosen you, which is also kind of narcissistic, but whatever the hell it is, destiny, fate, some people call it what you want. When there's belief 
they said special things happen on those days and they can't by science explain what, how the fuck did this girl run that lift that jump that this man and that happens and it's by numbers it's not even opinion it was like you could you could measure it and they're like it, they, they're not sure how you yeah. know and, and um it's fascinating man yeah uh, i had something like like that happening to me uh i think it was uh actually it was before worlds uh 2019 so uh, I, I was close uh, regarding, so in France, basically in order to, to make the, the team, you have to, to hit uh, like what we call a, a minimal uh, total. And so if you hit that minimal total, then you're in discussion for making the team. And if you're under that, like there's not even a discussion, like you're not part of the team. And that, the, that year it was 650 kilo total for the 66 kilos open division. Holy shit, dude! That's actually yeah. that's actually pretty high for a qualifying. Yeah. Look at the, like I know U.S. raw nats. The qualifying totals are ridiculously low. Six fifty at sixty six kilo for class. for making making the national team to even talk about it. Yeah, that's yeah, still yeah. like 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 and even like let's say you do you do it, but you're like not top five or top eight in your weight class, then you don't go there. So it, it's just to just be part of the discussion in order to make the team. And so that year, I, I was really close to that number. Uh, like some, some training sessions I was on that, some training sessions I was below that, whatever. And so at that time I had really big, big, big struggles with my deadlifts. And so they were like super inconsistent. And I think for like two straight weeks, I missed what I was quote unquote supposed to hit in order to hit the 650 kilo total. And so, uh, I, I went to uh, nationals not knowing if I would even be able to, to make the total. And really this year I was like, I'm either going to make the total like 650 or I'm going to bomb out. Like I really didn't even care. Uh, I didn't even care about like national being national champ or whatever. I just wanted that 650 total in order to do worlds. And so I did my squats, I did my bench. And so I chose on my deadlift opener what I missed like two straight weeks uh, because hitting that number would assure me the 650 total. And so being able to, to make world, to, to be on, on the team and to go to worlds. And actually I, I did that. And, and just, I think it was 252 or 250, I think I remember. And so I just did 2.5 kilos jump after that because I, I didn't know what I was able to hit because I had mi missed that weight like Two, 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 three straight weeks. And so on that day, because there was that Nash, uh, world's ticket on the line and I was like, I'm either going to do it or I'm just going to bomb out. I did like, I think it was 252, then 255 and then 257. <laughs> I think I did that. And it, it was really like, you got yeah, all I hit, yeah, yeah I hit all of them. But two weeks ago, I wasn't able to hit it. Hmm. Like I was hitting 242, 245 and then I was loading 250 or 252 and like, Either it wasn't breaking off the floor or I was like stopping mid-chains or just below the knees or something like that. And so on that day, I was like, you know, whatever is going to happen, I'm either going to bomb out or I'm just, I'm going to get my ticket for Worlds. And that happened because like you said, I think, you know, I had, but I wasn't like, you know, I'm just going to bomb out. That's okay. I was like, I'm going to get my ticket for Worlds. And so I'm going to put myself against the wall. And if I don't do it, then I'm just going to bomb out. You went all in. Yeah. 
what do you think, Rory, man? Like there is, look at, there is like the same thing that make these athletes so special is that internal belief. It's a coaching perspective. I think that that is, yeah. that is the only sensible decision, right? Like you showed up at that meet with the only priority being punch the ticket so you can go to worlds, you know, total 650 or, or, or go the fuck home. Um, and like, I, and, and, and so you loaded exactly what you needed to do. I am like, that's the only sensible decision to make. Um, and when you, well, oh man, what's that? What's that really shitty quote from that bodybuilder from the early 2000s? Something like, like not, have you, have you, have you tried like five sets of, of fucking wanting it more or something? Like, do you, do you guys remember that? And like, and so, and so you, you show up and, and you want That's it hard enough. A and it, it's such a douchebag thing to say. Right. Um, it's, it's like, it's like real, real shitty advice, but, but like you show up on the day and you load what you need to load. And it's like, well, I like, guess what, guess we're doing this. Um, so yeah. There's something about though. I, I know what you mean where when you have your back on the wall and you have to, you have to. Like, like there's something about when, uh, you know what, you know what it is to, there's something about being in a moment when you're in the gym and you're just slugging away, that's not a moment, but there's something altogether different about being backstage in the warm up room and it's fucking getting loaded and your, your handler is tells you like, you have to, everything is on the line right now. You need to, this has to happen. You have to believe now go out there. This is, I know you missed it. Two, three, four weeks. I know today's going to be different. And then you hear bar is loaded. You fucking chalk your hands and he smacks you on the back and the adrenaline runs through your fucking body. You walk onto that platform and you're eyeing that thing like you're about to rumble. And it's like, there's something different about a moment. I don't know what it is. You can't like, there's it's something special. You can find yourself caught in a moment and, uh, but you have to buy in. You got a 100, yeah. 100% belief. And that's why athletes are, uh, it's a weird bunch. I, I, I just did a, a podcast with Anna Rosa Kesselay and we were talking about like some of her fierce rivalries. She was in a fierce rivalry with uh, Priscilla Rubik from the U S back and forth. Both of them, um, won so many titles, both of them, you know, hall of famers, like, like, uh, Anna Rosa Castellanes won titles in different weight classes in and out of equipment, won the world games. Priscilla's won so many titles. They're just like phenomenal lifters. Right. And she said, it got heated. It got like, like really heated between the two of them. And sometimes you like put something all in it where, um, Anna Rosa talked about, you know, they couldn't share a platform in the warm up room because Priscilla was like, no. No, and she Anna was like, do you mind if we, we're the same height? It's tight back here. It's the World Games. It's not like the World Championships. The World Games was, the World Games for anyone listening, multi-sport, multi-day, massive event. They have an athlete village, just like the Olympics, much like not as big as the Olympics, but they're literally, it's IOC recognized, multi-sport. Like they would have baseball, golf in it, the whole nine. And um, they're back there. And Priscilla's like, no, you, we, can, we don't share a platform. Or sorry, a warm-up room. Uh, a warm-up platform. And I, I told Anna, I'm like, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not totally, I don't know if I'm mad at that. I kind of see, I don't, let me ask what you guys think about this. Listen, not just anybody. If you're looking, if you're in rank fifth and you're the guy who's ranked first asked, do you want to share a platform? You're, you're fronting like my man, you're not even on this other guy's radar. Who are you kidding? But if you are neck and neck, 
swapping world titles back and forth. You're going to go to battle and you're like, for whatever, it, for not, not like I'm trying to put my foot on your throat, but I prefer not to be friends with you right now. I like the Taylor Atwood. I'm not here to be your friend. So the close proximity, this and your coach laughing with my coach. And what do you guys think about that? Rory shaking his head. Rory fucking has got a bad taste in his mouth right now. No, like maybe maybe you can be friends afterwards um but but you know from the time that you start making weight till the time that the last deadlift hits the floor you know you're not friends right that a boy rory i thought you were disagreeing with me i thought you were like no come on no Let no, no i'm no not sure i'm not like if if you're first and second like you're not you're not sharing a platform if anything you're on platforms on opposite sides of a warm-up room Dog, maybe that's your coach what... is like sneakily watching the other person's warm-ups <laughs> but like that's as close as you get right I, 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 that's what I told Anna. I'm like, you know what? I'm not entirely against what Priscilla's saying. No, what do you think, Penna? Uh, I'd say I, I don't necessarily agree. Um, with, with us or with, 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 with you guys? Okay. Yeah, with you guys. Because um, personally, um, it's more about who the person is rather than like, is he my top contender or whatever? Uh, I have one guy, uh, and actually he's, my, he's in my weight class that I just can't get along with. And um, I, would, um, I would behave the way you guys did and, and even worse, uh, like not, not saying hi or yeah. nothing like that because we, we had a beef together. And I actually, we actually had to settle, to settle it uh, after the Arnold's in the bathroom. What the fuck does that mean? You guys threw it out in the bathroom? <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you go, you go. Anyways, he will be remembered by his family uh, and his children, and God bless him. No, but he went pretty far away. Uh, he, he went pretty far away, and but j- just to my point, and then if you want to talk about this story, all right, can, yes, but, we do. <laughs> <laughs> but just to my point, uh, it's more about who the person is rather than um, like is he my top contender or whatever. You know, like I couldn't have. Absolutely no, absolutely no problem sharing the 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 way up the the weighing room or whatever weighing platform with like my top contender, but if it's somebody that I dislike for a reason, then like it's 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 a war. And obviously, you know, not for me sharing a way up a weighing uh, platform doesn't mean we're friends. You know, we we don't have to to look each other. We don't have to to say hi or to smile or whatever. It's just us doing what we're here to do, you know, but yeah, with that particular guy, then I wouldn't share one a platform. Sec, and- one sec. Let me just ask you a question there before we go into the story. Um, Cause I want to have to double back afterwards, but what, like, would it get in your head at all? Or like, because you're like, there's a couple things like um, for Rory's sake as a handler, he will be picking attempts and he wants to converse with you and whatever. So that is way too close to be, have any kind of changing your temp at the last minute strategically it's not great strategically that's not good to be talking like and if anything happens the lifter comes back like i'm fucking a little tight on the hammy and blah 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 and you're like i need you to crush the second dead and fucking hit it with speed and we got a bluff i'm gonna put a crazy bluff in but it's a bluff and we're gonna like you know there's certain things like that that might not work strategically but even even like um would it get in your head though if he's having a fucking killer day and you're a little bit hurting and you're like, I'd rather not fucking see him having I, I'd rather just think that maybe he's hurting too, or like, you know what I mean? Like you could maybe just be like maybe yeah. 
Maybe it's confidence. Some people's confidence can actually get in your head. There are people who, when they walk in the room, you're not quite as loud as you normally are. When they walk in there, there's some people are so fucking dominant like that. That's not always good, man. And there's some people who know, I think I can be way more confident and bring this guy down a peg. Uh, I don't know. Uh, like, obviously for me, when, when I'm hitting a platform and uh, you probably know this by now, but whatever the platform is that I'm hitting, like, let's say if it's a local meet, let's say if it's nationals, let's say if it's war, whatever, I'm always going to give it my best, like my absolute best. And I'm not, I'm not there on that day to like second guess everything and be like, oh, was it RP7 or was it RP7 and a half or whatnot? You know, I'm there to do something. I'm there for a reason and I'm just there to give it my absolute best. And so really I, I wouldn't care at all. Uh, and I think that would actually hype me up that my top contender is watching me warming up and I would be like, check this out, man. <laughs> you know, I would be more in, in, in that play rather than every, everything else. And to be honest, regarding, you know, making, making the right calls based on uh, however everything's moving and so on. Um, first, I think people cannot say how, how much I can load more on the bar because I can grind like crazy. So, That's you know, true. that wouldn't be, you That's know, true. maybe my opener will be low and, Bro, yeah. uh, you know, so I, I think there's that, but there's also, um, in, in a way, in a way, I think there are some counter arguments to, my, the point I'm going to make, but at the end of the day, that's what I believe. I think the best athlete, the stronger athletes wins, period. Like, even if Taylor was warming up with uh, Austin Perkins or whatever, and they were looking Taylor and they were like, oh, that, that last warm-up was slow. At the end of the day, the stronger athlete is going to win, you know? And so, yeah, that's why I wouldn't mind at all uh, warming up with my top contender or whatever. I think that would actually hype me up. Yeah, it depends. Taylor's so far ahead of everyone else. That would be. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But um, if it's super duper close and it comes down to, it can come down to handling. There's the odd time that the stronger person didn't win sometimes, but um, it would depend. It'd be, it'd be fucking, it'd be weird. You, you, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I personally, I think I might actually lean towards Priscilla on this one, but um, tell me about the time you killed somebody in a bathroom in a mcdonald's bathroom <laughs> tell me about that so, time it was a so, trucker it was a trucker and so the worst part him. so wait because the worst part is that uh at least for now uh we're both uh on the open team again no fucking this is such a juicy <laughs> story but in the I same am, i am full heart right now I am in the same right weight now. class actually oh fuck yeah uh, so, are you yeah. serious what so you know what? who it is right uh, I don't know, dog. I'm gonna pull it up now, Rory. You pull yeah, it up. Yeah. I am. Uh, I, I don't want to. I wouldn't want to mention his name uh, personally. Okay. But if if you look at the nominations in the 66 kilo open, there are two French gentlemen. I'm one of them, <laughs> and he's the other guy. You know. Okay. <clears throat> so, the story started like at nationals. Uh, what I said earlier, um, and so. The, the, uh, there he was competing at 66 and I was competing uh, like one kilo ahead, uh, above, sorry. Um, so I was at 67. So I was with the 74s and he was with the 66s. And so <clears throat> I wasn't there uh, to, to win best lifter or whatever. I was there to do my um, 
to do my 650 total to get my ticket for Wells. And so like we didn't even uh, uh, make the calls for what I was supposed to hit uh, on deadlifts in order to win best lifter overall. And actually he, he beat me best, best lifter overall by like one point, I think, or something like that. And so on the podium, what he did was he does double biceps on the, on the podium, double biceps. And he actually put his uh, elbow in my face. Oh, damn. And not, not you know, subtle, like pushing it. What? Like he actually made contact with your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dog. Doggy. <laughs> Wait, Doggy. Because... Okay, my blood pressure just went up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and wow. I'll I was, check uh... you in the McDonald's bathroom, Playboy. <laughs> <laughs> you better. We're going to lock that door. So, oh. so th then uh, immediately I was like, I'm going to like, um, to like uh, push his hands away. And the thing is that it was live streamed. And uh, regarding the angle of the camera, like it wasn't obvious that his face was pushing against my face. Uh, but I have a photo where we can perfectly see the angle. And if you want me to send a photo for, yeah. <laughs> for, you know, yeah, I want to I say it. I want to say it. Send it through. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to send it. And so I was like, I'm going to like push his hand away. And I was like, no, if I do that and it's live stream, then I'm going to look like the bad guy who's like, yeah, uh, but hurt that he he just lost uh, best lifter lifter overall. And again, we didn't calculate anything regarding best lifter. I was just there to do my, my best total on that day. And so then, you know, I, I, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't about going to him and being that sore loser and like, hey man, what if I, you, you know, I was like, okay, you want to play that way? Let's go play boy. We're, we're going to play this way. And so the whole summer, whenever I had to hype, to hype myself for a set, they were screaming, like the, the guys at my gym were screaming his name to hype me up. And they were Damn. like- his name, his name, his name. And I was like, you know, like, dude, I've seen this crazy. in pumping iron. This is what happened <laughs> yeah, with yeah, exactly, fucking pumping yeah. iron. Like Arnold. Yeah. Arnold, yeah, Arnold. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and if I was like hard on a set and I had to go up, they were like, you know, remember the guy. And I was like, okay, let's go. Let's load that in, you know? And uh, actually it, um, I was doing the Arnold's this year and uh, he, he signed up like last minute at the Arnold's. And I was like, oh, sweet. Now we're going to have our, you know, our round two together. And so we went there, we're in the venue and uh, I'm, I'm sitting with my friends, uh, with my friend Corentin and we're just chilling, we're just, we're just talking and he, he comes to us and he's like, what, you don't want to shake my hand? And I was like, whoa, dude, what the fuck? Like, I'm just here talking with my friend and I didn't see you here. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's not because we're on the same, uh, we're uh, in the same weight class right now that you're not going to shake my hand. And he was like, dude, like, what are you even talking about? I'm just here talking. And, you know, and at, at first I I'm, was thinking that he was playing mind games and he was trying to like derail me. And because yeah, yeah. they told, some guys told me that that's his stuff, you know, and I was like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to stay focused on what I have to do. And, you know, that's it. So we, we do, we do the day. And he actually does his last deadlift. And with that deadlift, he, he I think he outworks me by one, one point or something, but Jesus. it's a no lift. Uh, it's a no lift for, I can't remember if, it's, if it was lock, lock, lockout issue or, uh, you know, hitching at the end, but it was a no lift. Um, and so I'm in the bathroom watch, washing my hands and uh, he goes uh, right up, right next to me. And I, I'm, I'm like, you know, like nice attempt uh on his last dead 
Doggy, 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 hang on a second. Okay, first off, if I thought you were gonna say he got it, and I'm like, you better watch those elbows, Playboy. But okay, <laughs> but then that whole you're in the washroom washing it side by side, you go, nice, nice attempt. Yeah, yeah. Were you I, sar- I nice was attempt. it sarcastic or were you like it was a good uh, it was a good attempt? Honestly, it was a little bit of both. Yeah, okay, because okay. I got because you. Like I wanted to like punch him a little bit, but I was like also like I think he was like three oh three for a six six uh, kilo master, yeah. which is like an insane Fuck. deadlift. Like whatever, even I hate the guy, but you can't argue that his deadlift is like world class, and he's a master lifter, which which makes it even more interesting and impressive. Um, but anyways, and he's like, oh, I was about to congratulate you, but uh, since you're a sore loser, uh, then I won't. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, this morning, you remember, you didn't want to shake hands with me and so on. And I was like, dude, what are you talking about? You like throw your fucking elbow in my face two months ago, three months ago. And now just because I didn't say hi the, the minute I saw you, you're, you're making a whole scene out of it. I think you're the sole loser here. And he's, he's, like, he's like, no, no, this never happened. I, I never put my elbow in your face and whatnot. I was like, okay, wait a second. I'm going to, pick up, to check my phone and yeah. And it was actually um, in my favorite pictures. Like it, it is, it is, it is again right now. Like I, I can pull it in like in thirty seconds. It's in my favorite pictures because whenever I need some extra hype, I, um, I look at this picture, and I show that to him, and he's like, "Oh no, you know, like the double bicep thing is just something I do just to to be funny on the podium or whatever." I was like, "Yeah, man, but like you didn't do it. Like you fucking put your elbow in my face." while the guy uh, who was third his elbow is like way 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 um away from him yeah. and he's like oh yeah sorry uh i wasn't aware uh it was unintentional and so on and uh, why didn't come talk to me afterwards and i was like you know i, I didn't want to be to look like a sore loser like you are right now like discussing everything and he's like oh you know i, I want us to get along and so, and so on and so on and I was like, okay, let's see how it goes. And, you know, long story short, six months later, he, he tried to do me dirty again. And now I, I hate the guy. And how, how whenever to, I see him. How did he try to, I think I know who it is, by the way. I haven't. Yeah, yeah, I, you know. Okay, cool. He's actually phenomenal. A phenomenal yeah, lifter, yeah, too. Lifter, yeah. Um, yeah, fuck, I can't. Which, which is sad, you know, because when, like coming up as a 66 lifter, I don't want to say he was my idol or nothing like that, but he was somebody I was looking up to because yeah, he was yeah, the guy. Yeah. I wanted to beat that guy and not not badly, not in a mean way, just he was the guy. You look up to him, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, as long as I was like 50, 60 kilos behind him, he was like making jokes with me and being all friendly and so on. And the minute I was like close to his numbers, he he became like, you know, vicious like that. And and so, and, and now I hate the guy. I hate the guy. It's tough because like, I don't know. It's weird because he is in his. He's older. Man. He's older than me, dog. Yeah. Like you. Usually, I don't know. And you know, he also did other things. Like uh, um, there was a guy training with him, and uh, I was actually getting really well with this guy. We were getting along, sending messages, you know, um, laughing around on Insta, whatnot. And so one day, this guy sent me sends me a message, and he's like, at nationals. Uh, the guy against uh, whom I'm against uh, is going to beat you with his openers. And I don't think that's the message you send to someone expecting to have uh, a friendly um, conversation afterwards. No shit. Yeah. Well, so 
so I'm like, and I was with friends. I was actually with Leah and stuff, and we were eating a pizza. And like, I check my phone, and two seconds afterwards, I'm red, like red in anger. And they look at me, and they're like, "Oh, what is going on?" And I'm like, "You know, nothing." And then I explained that to them later. And so actually, uh, I was uh, betting. I wanted to bet with this guy because he was like, "I'm betting you that he's going to do that, this and that and blah 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 and blah blah blah." And so afterwards, he actually told me that. Uh, it's the guy that told him to send me this message to get me angry, you know? And so like, you know, there are like five, six other stories like that. And, Holy the, the, smokes. you know, now I hate the guy and we just can't get along. And I, I don't even want to say hi to him. And we, we request ways uh, at nationals and not a, not a site, not a, not a hi, not a, how are you? Nothing because like now he knows I hate him and, I'm fine with that, and I'm fine with him hitting me as well. Damn, things can go sideways quick, man. Yeah. You know, I'm a cool guy, but when you when you rub me the wrong way, like once, twice, I'm like, okay, that's it. Now I'm done with you. It's boundaries help though. Like at a certain level, it's one of those deals where yeah, you like you need boundaries. Look at if I try to pretend, if I let you in, I start saying hi, whatever. We do this little talk thing it could turn into passive aggressive bullshit that continues on and on. Or if it's like, look, let's agree to disagree. We got it. Yeah. We, we, we just won't talk. If I see you, I'm not going to talk. And that's just, that's not me trying to go to my way to diss you. That's literally me trying to keep my peace. Yeah. Let's keep the peace. This is the best way to keep the peace. Boundaries are good for me and they're good for you. And apparently we need strong ones, <laughs> you, know? you know, like, like, like the, the three inches in front of my face, yeah, that's a no fly zone, much. playboy. Yeah, keep your yeah. elbows out of there. Keep your face out of there. That's yeah. a no fly zone, three inches in front of my face. That's just that's just <laughs> whatever. You know, one thing, uh, uh, Francis is is really growing in terms of powerlifting, and the, obviously um, now there are like some little wars, quote unquote, that are going on in France uh, between some groups and so on. And so for me, when I have a beef with somebody, when I'm in war, quote unquote, with somebody, like, I don't want to pretend everything, anything, you know, it's, I'm not going to say hi, because that's the way it is. We're in war. We, we don't get along. We, we hate each other. So let's agree. Let's, like, like you said, let's agree to disagree. I'm going to cross your way and I'm not going to look at you. I'm not going to say hi. I'm not going to smile at you. Like, I hate you. You hate me. We're cool, you know. And actually during nationals, um, I think a lot of people were uh, surprised by the way I behaved with them because, um, you know, I don't get involved in on online beefs. Like if somebody wants to trash talk, that's fine. But like in reality, like LeBron James said, the fuck out of my face. And I like that quote, you know. <laughs> so that's, that's the way I view things. Like get the fuck out of my face. I don't want to see you. I don't want to say hi. And like last Nationals was... Pretty intense. Really? Whoa, yeah. man. This is like um, my, how things, well, maybe they haven't changed since like 2019. Because you were kind of saying, you know, I, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, because last time you were at Worlds was 2019 and how much everything has changed in your return to Sweden. It's only been two years, but <clears throat> oh my God, has powerlifting in, in France changed? Like you guys have gone from like, no one really knowing who you are, like all like Francis in general, to like stars coming out of France and like a team full of shooters and everyone. I I, I had just recorded a podcast with Anna Rosa Castellane and it got brought up. 
like the French team, the French women, like, oh my God. And she's like bringing up names and stuff. And like, um, you know, it's, it's a lot has changed. And one of the things you were telling me about was there was an old guard that saw things differently than the young bloods. And now the young bloods being yourselves started revolutionizing things. You started for anyone listening, we haven't heard previous podcasts. You've been on a few times now, but you were one of the first who, first off, obviously anyone listening knows you got really good English. So you started reaching out and beyond France and started taking online training programs by Mike T and started revolutionizing how you approach programming, brought it back into France where some of the old guard was not doing this and was one of the first to start applying these new skills you, you had learned about as well as your own ideas in adding them in advancing. And then all of a sudden, People like uh, Naomi Alibert, Leah Bavois, um, like you just started coming out with shooters, including yourself. And then 2019 Worlds happens um, and they end up on everybody's radar. And then the European Championships happens and they end up on everybody's radar. And then like, so things started to change, obviously. And now everybody in the freaking world knows who all you guys are. Um, you got even more lifters on board and more people coming up. And um, let alone that amazing story about Samantha Eugene, who lived with you guys during lockdown in a high school. It was like high school power. It was like a fucking Netflix special. Rory, do you know about this? <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. They, they literally lived in a high school, him and his girlfriend, with, with uh, Samantha Eugene. They adopted a teenager and they're in their 20s. They adopted a teenager, lived in a high school and smashed weights in lockdown together. It was crazy, man. Um, so much has happened in just those two years and so much has changed. How much different does it feel now going into these world championships? Now that everybody knows who you are, how have things changed in France that you were kind of leading? I mean, I think I call the podcast leader of the French revolution, which couldn't have helped in terms of creative jealousy in France. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's the thing. Like I wanted to ask you, what has it been like, man? Not only you got recognition, but you're probably going to get the old guard being pissed off. You're coming up and then you'll get other people who are coming up as well. A little jealous. And like these fucking guys think they're all that. And like, you know, like how's it different in France, man? It's like completely different. <laughs> and it's crazy to see that in two years, you know, like when, when you brought everything up, like this up, I was like rethinking about how, how we came down to here and it's completely different like pretty much the old guard doesn't exist anymore in france like erase you you dealt with them in too many bathrooms yeah 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 yeah, yeah. bathroom by bathroom <laughs> yeah. you dealt with yeah. those they got what they yeah. had coming yeah 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 <laughs> exactly like yeah um yeah the old guard is completely erased and now we have more teams um coming up obviously uh a, a lot of them with that uh american uh, in general, influence regarding powerlifting, rega regarding strategies, programming strategies and stuff. Like I told you earlier, we have um, two or three guys, I can't remember correctly, that, that just joined uh, TSG and they will be part of the junior team for uh, Worlds. So we, we will have French lifters lifting for France, but coached by TSG, which is uh, an American uh, powerlifting company, coaching company, which is crazy, I think. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, and like you said, now it's different. And um, we don't have the old guard, but 
I, I don't know if what we have right now is better. I think we're more um, advanced in our powerlifting strategies and the way we view the sport. Um, but we, we have some beefs now that are different than the ones, the ones before. And obviously I'm, I'm part of some of them. Uh, I don't want to say all of them, but a lot of them, <laughs> I'd say. Uh, <clears throat> but because, you know, I think obviously, uh, <clears throat> you know, when you look at the resume, uh, I coached, uh, at least for now, uh, probably the best lifters, female and um, not male, but uh, I'm actually currently the best uh, male lifter in France. But obviously, you know, uh, it's polarizing in a way. And so, yeah, we had some beefs, like I told you, at nationals and stuff. Um, but what's really changed for me is that people in France really care so much about uh, Instagram. And so, so many stuff happen on Instagram, like training, like everybody posts everything always, all the time. Like if you, if you type uh, the hashtag uh, regarding uh, the French Federation, you have like dozens of posts every day. Mm. And before it was like one post every week. Mm. And it was like a set of three with 120 kilo squat or whatever. Now it's like you see all of those crazy numbers, all of those crazy um, posts. And I think um, also the fact that we, we all document whatever we're doing. Like Leah posts pretty much all of her training. Like I do uh, the same. I also do YouTube videos regarding technique, regarding programming strategies, regarding like the bar lifting meta. I'd say regarding uh, programming and stuff. And so that really, I think, is entirely linked to a lot of people because now the information is there in French. And I have, I have some projects uh, that I'm working on in order to make the information even more uh, accessible to, to French people that aren't speaking English. And I think that's the main difference. Now the information is there. Now the information is ours. And uh, I think that that's one of the main reasons why it's everything is exploding uh, in France. And really, to be honest with you, I think, um, I, I don't want to go ahead of myself, but I'd probably say uh, the French female are going to win uh, with the Open uh, at Worlds. I don't see any team like that stacked. Uh, we have Tiffany in 47. We have uh, Noemi and Shizuka in 52. So we have two lifters there. Uh, I don't think we have uh, anybody in 57. Uh, we have Leah in 63. Um, Carolina and, 57. Oh yeah, but I don't think she'll, she's going to top five. Or yeah, I don't think she's going to top five. Damn. Um, but we have Amelie then in the 84 plus, and that's pretty much it. But we have you have like five killers who are all going to be top three for sure. Yeah. So yeah, that's and the junior the junior team as well is really really strong. The junior uh, male team is really strong. Um. I mean, it's well, first off, uh, TSG, the strength guys, the head dude is Jason Trombley. He's Canadian. Oh, my bad. My there bad. you go, my man. My bad. Sorry, go. Don't my take bad. him from us. He's sorry, Canadian. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Now, having said that, though, uh, <laughs> he's got, they're no longer, because they're an outfit. So, I mean, guys like Arian, for instance, who's like a co-host on the podcast, but he, um, he's American. He's a TSG. And, like, they have people in Asia and, like, like so they're kind of. A little bit of everything, if I'm honest. New Zealand. Um, do they have New Zealand as well? People in New Zealand, like who are coaching? Uh, yeah, Kedrick. Oh yeah, Kedrick is in. Yes, Kedrick is in New Zealand. 
um, Alfred is in Canada. So uh, anyways, they're all over the place. Like uh, they're, you know, but uh, you're right. Like it, it is cool how it reminds me going back to like, yes, I'm doing the Taylor Atwood program. And for a while there, they were sitting on releasing the Taylor Atwood program. I got it before everybody else. It's going to be released. But I remember a discussion was if we do this, this people are going to start knowing what he does. If not exact, you get ideas. Oh, this is the workload. Oh, well, in this day, the volume and workload they do, oh, they're they're stacking squat dead, and then they're doing and the ideas of structurally, etc. This is how we all grow. But there is that. Are you comfortable showing everybody yet? And I know with Taylor, after what he did at Raw Nats, that would probably help be like, okay, I'm pretty far ahead. I feel somewhat comfortable. But gaps get closed really quickly in powerlifting. And this is something where initially where it's like, look, at, I'm, I'm going now to get information from elsewhere in English, translating it into French, distributing it. And for the good of like the French lifters, period, not just my own lifters, but I'm putting out content and just allowing people to grow. On the, and that's great. Dog, no matter what happens in the future, people are going to look back. There is, a, there is a contrast in a parallel, whether people like to, in a correlation, whether people like to admit it or not, between yourself doing what you did and when we did that initial podcast and then the explosion in France where I'm not saying it's all on you, but you definitely have helped. You know, you're one of the first to go out there beyond, learn these other styles, bring it back, translate into French, and then start pumping out content. And it's not a coincidence that a lot of your lifters that came up through you, whether they're still with you or not, came up through you. Okay. Like the first early stars came up through you. This isn't coincidence, man. This happened on the timeline. It is what it is. Flip side, you are feeding your competitors. Yeah. There is, you know, flip side, like that's great, but you are like, this is what they had to talk about the strength guys when they started releasing. This is you have to carry brass knuckles onto the bathroom with you every time. Just and now you got <laughs> and now, in those bathrooms, you going in two or three at a time now. You know what I'm saying? It's like who's in this bathroom? There are hits out. But what what do you think yeah, about 100%. that? Like in terms you know, of to be honest with you, sometimes I'm second guessing if I'm if I have to if I'm releasing this video or not. I'm like Am I giving enough information so that people can grow, can learn? Because that's why I'm doing it. Otherwise, I wouldn't. But am I not putting my lifters at a disadvantage? Or am I not putting the people that are actually hiring me as a coach at a disadvantage by giving, quote unquote, this much information for free? Mm. And I'm trying to balance everything out in this regard because I want to help out as many people as possible. But obviously, I also want um, to give a, a bonus, to give something to the guys that are directly hiring me, that are working with me, that I don't give to others like easily. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to balance everything in this regard um, exactly. But, you know, for instance, um, like, I don't want, I don't know how, I don't know how to say it, but whatever information I'm giving to others, like, I'm not going to let them be better than me. You know what I mean? Like, I'll have to do whatever I have to do. I'll train like a madman in order to stay on top and in order to still be the number one or whatever. Whatever the information I give, whatever. And, you know, there's a funny thing that 
I, I'm not even aware, but some, some guys that are actually top guys in France that are on the world team, etc. I'm not coaching them. I haven't, I had never coached them, but they told me like, Hey man, I watched your videos uh, when I was uh, not that strong and I used your cues, I used your ideas and now I'm, I'm stronger. Obviously it's not all of that uh, because they trained because they had the program or whatever. But I also had some really, really strong dudes telling me that. And some of them were like, hey, I even tagged you in a post like two years ago and you, you didn't notice or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's funny to see now. It's funny to see. It's, it's, I know it's like, an, it makes you be like, holy shit. I didn't think you don't know these like to be like, this is crazy. This is wild because I was the guy going outside, looking up to like Mike T's taking his workshops and I'm um, just trying to do something. And now when other people talk to you like that, you're like, holy smokes, man, it's got to feel good. We'd be like, all right, well, that's good, man. At least I'm passing something on. Um, yeah. But also when enough people come through your system anyways, though, information is going to get passed on. Like, yeah like your programming is eventually going to get out there. Like it's almost inevitable. It, it, the more it's, people it's already train, done. It's, already, yeah, it's done. already done. Yeah. People yeah. have come and gone through you. This is, yeah. this is, here's another thing. Your team isn't like, this is, this is uh, common knowledge. Now we know God got into it, but people like shooters, like stars, like Naomi Alibert moved on. That's fine. People move on. That's fine. Jo Joey flex. Uh, I had him on one time. Uh, well, I've had him in a bunch of times, but one time I asked him, you know, you had like Sean Noriega's, John Hacks, um, like a freaking shit. Jesse Norris. Jesse, Jesse like Norris he's had well. people in like, it's just natural. It eventually everyone, like it's very rare. Someone stays in powerlifting from beginning to end with the same coach. I was like, is that tough? How do you deal with it? Like a, yes, they're leaving with all your knowledge and then they're going to go on and then some to add it on to someone else. So there is your knowledge. And then they're going to add on to that with someone else's as well. And it is like a shit. I've become my own competitor to an extent and that's fine, but you do, they, they, they bring everything you told you gave them as well as it's got to be tough emotionally to be like, fuck man. And it, he said, like Joey said, he's like, you do it enough times. You realize it's part of the game and you realize, and Rory, you could probably speak this as well. Cause you're also a coach. Um, and so I'd like to get your input on this as well, but he's like, this is part of it. it powerlifting, whether it's all sports, if you follow sports teams, they leave through coaching staff on one team and they leave a team and they play for another team. This happens. You have to accept it. And, and it's, it is what it is. But I, I personally am that type of dude, an emotional type of dude. And like that kind of a people person interaction, dude, that would be really hard for me to like, you would wish him well and all the rest of it, but it'd be like, this is the shitty part. This is the yeah. shitty part where you're like, can we all just stick together forever? Can we yeah. like, but you can't, but it is like, oh man, I brought you up though. This is tough. It's all good, but it's tough. Cause you know, we came up together. Like it's, that's the hard part. Yeah. You know, to be honest with you, um, like, um, first when, whenever I'm hired by someone, whether it be, an international lifter or whatever, you know, right now I'm coaching uh, lifters from other countries, uh, like from Spain, uh, like from Canada as well, and so on and so on. So obviously the informations that I'm giving, the, the way that I work, the way that I think programming in powerlifting and stuff will be passed on. And, you know, in reality, I really don't care. I think it's part of the game actually. And for me, that would be like a shitty move as a coach to be like, oh, 
I'm going to wait six, mo six months. And if this guy or this girl sticks with me for six months, then I'm going to give, quote unquote, the real information. For me, that's mm. a douchebag move and you shouldn't do that. Um, obviously, you should be cautious with uh, who you are agreeing to have uh, as, as, as a client. Because mm. for me, when you, when you say, okay, I'm going to coach you, then you do it 100%. You give your absolute best uh, for this person to develop. Like you give your cues, you give your strategies, you give your uh, the mental aspects, you give your absolute best, like watercut strategies and so on and so on. And so obviously, like you said, sometimes things don't, don't end up really well. And, uh, you know, like the part with Noemi was my first real, uh, how can I say, my first real like breakup um and it was a, a rough one like uh out of respect uh i, I don't want to talk i don't want to mention it but it, it's it's not we're all good you know what i mean like we have some some stuff again moving on and so you know to be honest i could i could like rumble about it i could be like oh shit i should have done i shouldn't have done this or i should have done that or i did this or i did that for or whatever and to be honest i'm not because I think if you are coaching people in order for you to get something out of it, then you chose the, the wrong profession. You chose the wrong thing to do. If you're doing it, you're doing it for the person and that's it. And whatever happens, happens, you know. And mm -hmm. so when, when we had that breakup and even I had some other breakups with some other high level lifters. And obviously, again, like you said, they quote unquote get away with uh, the knowledge I passed on to them or the strategies or whatnot, you know, to be honest, I don't care. I think that uh, I'm doing a job that I can only do the way that I'm doing it. And if people are benefiting from it, that's great. And if they're not, then move on. I'll move on as well. And things are better off this way. Yeah. Very mature way it, of handling it, dude. What about you, Rory? Like the, the moral thing to do is that when someone hires you as a coach, you give that 100%, right? And so if you're going into that going, this person is going to walk away with the knowledge that I give them. Like, I would say that, yes, yes, they are. Like that's, that's part of the package, right? Like that's, that's why they're hiring a coach and why they're not just like downloading a free program, like Shaco 34 from, from Reddit or whatever the fuck. Um, like that you hire a coach, not just to tell you what to do, but also to teach you structure for the way that you approach things. And like, yes, people walk away with information as a result of that. But I would say that's like, that's a good thing. Like that's, that's part of the package that you're selling is the, is the, the knowledge, the structure, the, how the pieces fit together, because it's not just, it's not just programming, right? Like I, you can take a program from somewhere. So I can take the Taylor Atwood program that, that TSG is publishing and I can study that and I can go, look, look, these are the loads that they're doing. This is the way they're structuring it. But that doesn't give me the same information as actually working with the coach that Taylor is working with because it's not just a program, right? It's a, it's a cohesive set of information. And so like that, that knowledge is necessary, but not sufficient to be good at, at progressing. And yeah, people take this and they, and they go on to another coach, but if, if but, but these, these ideas have to work together. Like you can't take, uh, you know, I can't take the structure from the Taylor Atwood program and apply it to the load management strategy from Shaco and just like mush these things together and be mm. like, yeah, sweet. That's going to be great. It's going to be a disaster. Um, <laughs> like it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Um, and so like, yeah, there's information transfer, but, but like I would argue it's a net benefit for the powerlifting community when there's this information 
transfer because that's how we come up with new ideas, right? Like we take little pieces of this and little pieces of that, and then we try them. And if they work together well, then we're like, okay, cool. This is the new concept that I'm moving forwards with. And if they don't work well, you go, okay, cool. Well, we tried that. We found out it didn't work very well. We're going to try a different thing next. Um, and if you do, and when everyone does that consistently, you develop new ideas over time, right? Like, uh, we often credit Mike T with bringing RPE into powerlifting, but RPE existed like 40 or 50 years before that in other sports. And so what actually happened is, is Mike T sees this idea somewhere else and he goes like, I wonder if this works with powerlifting. He tries it and it does work and now it proliferates across the entire world. Um, and, and, and Panna looks at things in English and goes like, I'm going to translate this into French and then proliferates across France and, and, you know, other French speaking countries. Um, so like, like this is, this is a net good thing for all of us. Um, even, even if sometimes it does mean that you have to have messy breakups with, with particular athletes. It's also, there's also the emotional side is difficult to part ways with somebody that you brought up. Like there's actually an emotional side. If we're honest, where you're like, fuck, it's going to be tough. My hats off to you. You got to do what you got to do. But that is a tough one too. Like, you know what I mean? Especially if you have moments together and you've done your history, you know, you think yeah. back and you're like, fuck, we got a history. That's hard. And you know, we did. And you know, we did. So that's, that's the worst part of it, I'd say. But, you know, I, I think that, I don't want to say time, times, time heals everything because that's, that's a dumb, dumb thing to say, but in a way, in a uh, way, you know what? I believe in that though, dog. Yeah. Dog, I'm telling you right now, look, at, I'm, I'm 42. So I'm older, but, and I've had, there's some times like there, so enough time, I have more time on my docket and I've had some like from younger straight beasts where you're like, man, this guy's so dead to me. And like, I mean, like early twenties, like, man. And then later on in life, you meet the same dude and you're like, I couldn't give a fuck less what happened earlier. How you doing, man? Yeah. We don't got to be boys right yeah. now, but we are 100% good. How you been? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you don't give a shit. Like it is like so water in the life as a way of totally making you not care about what happened 10 years ago anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like there is. Yeah. There yeah, is that. yeah. But I, I just want to say something and I 100% agree with uh, Rory. I think what is like the, the only time where I'm like, I'm kind of regretting it, regretting it, sorry, is when we part, when we part ways, uh, like, and, and it's going bad, you know what I mean? Like, that's where y you can, like, second guess and be like, oh, if, if I didn't do this or that. But mm -hmm. otherwise, like, thank God everything thinks, like, I'm going to provide this information for everybody. Because like you said, I think, to be honest, I think that without Mike T, powerlifting wouldn't be at this place at this place worldwide like not only in france I, I mean i think i don't think that we would be this high and we would have this level of competition and and those lifters and, and whatnot without mike t and without his strategies and also without his staff because he wasn't just by himself uh, i'm also thinking jim rts and uh, jim ellie and stuff uh but i think we wouldn't be here without him and so that's like thank god he he was like uh, oh, what if I try this? Oh, that's great. And now what if I'm passing on this information? And obviously at first you pass the information for free for people to be like, oh, that's interesting. Let me, let me check. And then what I did was I took the classrooms with him. Uh, and like, I think it was, this was probably one of the best things that happened to me as a powerlifting coach. Do you guys think we'll ever have another revolutionary moment? 
like when RPE was yeah. Re- yeah. Like, yeah, I didn't even yeah, finish. You were like, yes, I will. Look at you guys, Mr. Yeah. Optimistics. Listen, all of us want to be the person, if we're honest, who fucking finds the next RPE. Imagine, like, doesn't it? I would love to have been, be able to be the guy and be like, it wasn't Mike T. Like, I fucking invented RPE for powerlifting. I brought it over. I changed the game. If you're using RPE, you need to say my name because I'm trademarking it. Like, dude, RPE is such a big one. Yeah. Like, what, yeah. You, what, can you somewhat try to argue? I fucking, you know, you know, pause squat. I don't want to say nothing. You didn't start the squat. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like nobody's believing that shit. Like it's yeah. hard. Really? So you guys do tell me, like, it's hard for me to think about something as big as RPE. I'm sure, you know, because no one saw RPE coming. It's the way, it's the way the world works. You don't see it coming. That's why. But like, it's hard for me to think RPE. Like, I swear to God, when I first got onto RPE, I was like, this is crazy. I can't believe it. Yeah. Um, so first I want to say something just for the record. I think a lot of people that are right now starting powerlifting don't even know that Mike T is the one who brought the RP into the sport. So That's crazy. it's, it's now more of like a powerlifting nerd, uh, story to say, and only like quote unquote with like big, big quotes, the, the older people that are in the sport that, that know that, but I, I think that we're getting old. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, I, I should like that will be really uh, bold for me to say, uh, yeah, I think we're going to have something as big and as revolutionary as as the RPE in the coming future. I don't think we'll maybe have something as big as that. But um, for me, one thing that we're going to have and that's that is going to be a game changer is we are going to have a meta developed around the strategies that we used uh, worldwide. If you if you check around, if you look, uh, some of the top guys are doing like pretty much uh, squat bench deadlift or really close variations to those with some strategies, some schemes that you can see. And I think that is going to be the last change we will need for this part to like really deeply develop. develop. And I think um, that's actually uh, in a way the, the contrary to like the older guys were doing and especially here in France where they were like fuck specificity if you're only squatting benching deadlifting you're going to injure yourself and you're not going to develop they were like you have to be you have to do rows in order to build a build to big to build a big back in order to deadlift the big weights and so on and so on and now um I, I, at least that's that's my view and that's my take on it uh i think specificity is 100% and this meta will develop and be the really big change for the sport, I think. We think, Rory. Do we have another RPE revolution coming? Of the magnitude of, of RPE, like I would say, yeah, probably. Like it's, I don't, I don't have a crystal ball, or at least my crystal ball doesn't work very well. Um, and so I can't look into the future and be like, hey, this is what the change is going to be. Like this is, this is the idea that someone has that's going to revolutionize the way that we think about things. Um, I don't think it's going to be velocity. I know a lot of people are touting velocity as like the next RPE. I think velocity is good. I don't think it is, uh, you know, an order of magnitude better than than RPE, and it's a lot more expensive to implement. So, like, I like I think that's a that's a small improvement over RPE rather than like a revolution over RPE. Um, but I think there'll be something. Um, and 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 Panna makes a good point about like an emerging meta within like powerlifting 
coaching strategies and like that's definitely a thing which is which i which i see and there's sort of like a convergent approach towards like this sort of consistent uh, uh meta I, I wonder if future improvements might be non-gym improvements. I think powerlifting athletes are like notoriously bad for ignoring all of the shit that they have to do outside of the gym, like uh, sleeping eight to 10 hours a night, uh, staying hydrated, uh, like not, uh, you know, like that, that sort of thing. Like, and so, so I wonder if we might start seeing improvements in non-gym things in, in a way that improves our, our gym and, and meet performance, maybe. Um, but like I said, my crystal ball doesn't work very well. I, I, I think it's safe to say that there's going to be something in the next uh, 10 to 20 years. Like there'll be something and we're going to look back and be like, I can't believe how we, how did we get through everything without this? Um, <laughs> but I don't know what that thing is yet. I think there's, there is going to be something about the load management that we're getting close to. Like, for instance, um, I know we're, we're getting really sophisticated with it. Like when, when Jason Tremblay who's the head of the strength guys um, he on the Taylor Powell podcast that you guys heard when he was talking about when they were putting this together, the big U S raw Nats performance that he ended up like everyone's all crazy about. And um, he was putting it together, putting it together, going over all the numbers over and over and like they had crunched all the numbers. And then they put together that program for what ended up being that crazy performance at U S raw Nats. And then he sent his work over to this guy with two PhDs in load management in Australia or something like that. And, um, and the guy reviewed it and he had like peer reviewed work on it. And like, I think at some point we're going to start nailing down a more comprehensive look. I realize it's going to be personalized, but per division, per weight group, per like there's, we're going to have an overall more universal understanding of if your body weight falls within this range, if your body weight falls within that range, if you're, we're going to actually start improving upon and it'll be more universal knowledge on it. We're like in terms of load management. And I think we'll look back and start being like, I'm sorry, what, how long were your sessions? What was the rep ranges? How much weight did you shift over the course of that session? And then it'll be like, Jesus, in 2019, we really were, we thought we were working hard. We weren't, a lot of these people weren't working as hard as they thought they would. Like I, 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 I talk to some people who aren't at all in powerlifting and they talk about weightlifting and they're like, yeah, my brother, it's crazy. He's obsessed. He works out like an hour every day, like five days a week, an hour every day. Just who squats for an hour? Just squatting. It's crazy. He's obsessed. And I'm like, that's fucking scratching the surface. You that's have no cute. idea. Yeah, that's cute. You have no idea. And, um, and I get like, that's someone outside of powerlifting. So they're incredibly ignorant of it. But what I'm saying is though, it shows you how like, when you're ignorant, you don't realize it. And I think we, the more we start sharing things, like when people start looking at like what Taylor did now, Taylor's program is going to work for a 120 kilo plus lifter. But the more people start sharing data, kind of like Penna was saying, like he shares data with the rest of France and, and it's converted and people see it. I think we're going to more and more start getting closer and closer to having an idea of don't tell me this is too much work. You could do this at the proper RPE. Fucking, you got to start stepping up to the plate and, and training like a goddamn pro athlete. Like if you don't think, if you think people in the NBA don't train this hard, you're a fool. And if you, you know what I mean? Like people talk like, I think we're going to just have a different comprehension of it. And if you're just not built like that or just don't have it in you, then just say that, you know, yeah. but I, the beautiful thing about RPE is if you stay in your RPE, you should make it to the end of this three and a half hour session. Why are you not I adjusting? Have a, uh, 
actually have a counter suggestion, Ryan. Okay. Um, okay, love. So, so you're saying that you think in the future we're going to have this sort of top-down view of um, like the sorts of loads that that ranges that, that people can handle based on sort of uh, body weight and morphology and things like that. And what I'm going to suggest is actually the opposite. Um, what I'm going to suggest is that. Uh, I'm going to borrow some ideas from software development. Um, so okay. if I start talking about things that you don't, that, that you've never heard of before, stop me and, and, and I'll explain because it's a pretty good chance the audience won't, won't know either if that's the case. Um, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use a thing called the Kinefin framework, which is this, this framework for how you think about the knowledge that you have about, about the future. Um, and one of the domains of the Kinefin framework is this thing called the complex domain. And what the complex domain tells you is that you're in the area of unknown unknowns, which is that you don't know what information it is that you need to be able to make a decision. And so an example of, of unknown unknowns is human physiology. And so there are some inputs into human physiology that we know are important, right? Number of calories, amount of protein, how much sleep you've had. Uh, how much iron is in your, like you, you have in your body at the time, things like that. We all know that those are important inputs. We, we don't necessarily know what those values are right now, but we know that if we did know them, that would be useful for something. Mm. However, I suspect that there are also things about that that we don't know that go into that. Um, does humidity affect our performance? Like it's a pretty good guess that maybe it does, but, but, but I'm not sure. Does temperature affect our performance? It's a pretty good guess that it does, but, but I'm not sure. Does the uh, oxygen saturation of, of where you are at the time affect your performance? If I hopped in a lab and we turned the oxygen up from 21% to 23%, is that going to affect my performance? I don't know. Or if I don't you know. sleep like, in it, like oxygen. If I sleep and, in it. Yeah, yeah. If I sleep at high altitude, if I sleep at low altitude, yeah. like these are, these are all things that we don't know about human physiology. And therefore trying to predict the future based on the fact that we don't know what we don't know about the inputs into the system, which is already complicated as shit. And, and try and predict the future, that's a fucking disaster, right? Um, like there's some or it's stuff- fun. We, Or it's fun. I mean, it's quite fun. It's very fun. Um, <laughs> but like I said, my crystal ball doesn't work very well. And so it's, this isn't a simple situation where I can look at this and be like, hmm, because you ate 3000 calories today, I'm going to increase your, your squat volume from you know, six sets to seven sets, right? Like it's more complicated yeah, yeah. than that. Um, yeah. So what I'm going to suggest is that instead of trying to predict the future from, an from beforehand, we're going to get to a point where we we know a lot of these variables and we can take a guess and then we have really smart ways of adapting that within a workout based on what we're measuring on the day rather than trying to predict it in advance so instead of going i want you to do seven sets of three at uh, 86 percent or of your top single or whatever the hell i'm going to do something more like the load management strategies that are, that, that are suggested uh I think in uh, the emerging strategies framework, I think uses it a lot where it's more like, I want you to do triples at this weight until you get a certain speed drop or a certain RPE change or uh, until the uh, whatever the hell in your blood measurement changes to this value. Like that's not an unreasonable thing for us to start, start using in the future, right? In fact, I actually have a uh, uh, glucose meter in my gym bag um, because I was experimenting with that to see if it was useful. Um, but as a person who's not diabetic, it turns out that it's not very useful at all. So I stopped <laughs> using it, um, but I tried it and, and just to see if it would work. Right. And like, I think these are the kinds of things that are going to end up being more predictive of our performance than taking like a really long-term view from the back. As an example, I used to uh, make software to help uh, long distance athletes train better, particularly Ironman athletes. So if you don't know, an Ironman is a, uh, what is it, like a 
3k swim and then a 160k bike ride and then a 42k run right that's your triathlon that's as long as shit like the world records like you know eight hours or something i used to make software to make help help ironman athletes run that faster um and one of the things that we did was we would take lactose measurements uh, uh lactate measurements from their uh blood pricks and we would do that really often during training like we, we would do it as often as every kilometer during training and things like that and so like that is cheap it's fast you can do it with a 20 device you get off amazon with uh like little test strips that cost one cent each you know you can have like 400 of them in your bag and just like test your blood lactate every, every so often we could do something like that to say hey look you've done enough work for today you've got the signal that you need but because we don't know what that signal is yet it's really hard to tell um that is but interesting. That's, that's, the, that's the direction i think we're more likely to head in that is interesting that it wouldn't be, I'm prescribing eight sets of triples. It would be, I would like you to do triples. How many sets I'll find out because I'm going to have you prick your finger after every set. Well, that, well, I guess we're only doing. And when your blood lactate reaches this value, two sets in a row, that's when I want you to stop. When the speed drops this amount and also your blood lactate increases by this amount, that's when I want you to stop or something like that. Yeah. Your internal temperature rises to whatever shit. Yeah. Fuck man. You know, I think, I think in the context right now that we're in, we are in, sorry, I think that, that won't be possible because the, the amount of people that have access to a gym where, you know, you can like have all of this stuff and you can have like early, always pretty much like you can always like control the environment is really limited. You know what I mean? I think it, it would need the sport to like uh, get more professional in order for those strategies to be able to be implemented and also a lot of people don't have that much um interest for all of those variables and they wouldn't see like the the benefit and they would be like dude like just prescribe me the number of sets and you know i'm not going to like tick my finger every five minutes to see if i have to do another set or this is what you can 100 but what i am saying is that these are the kinds of things that we could experiment with like i don't even know if these things are valuable yet like it might turn out that your blood lactate doesn't change enough during a session for it to make a difference um but maybe it does and i don't know because i haven't tried it you Um, you make me do this for six months and then you're like Come Sorry, on, man. man. This, is, this is on me, but it actually didn't okay. do anything. That's on me, though. That's on me, though. <laughs> I'm like, you fucking guy. Yeah, <laughs> You're like, yeah. when yeah. did you know you? I knew about three months ago. I actually <laughs> didn't have the courage to tell you. So we, we needed to this finish on the another experiment. Th- so, you know, like, <laughs> like we I actually have another- rows of scars, cement, perfectly symmetrical scars down the outside of my quads from doing muscle biopsies for, yeah. for to see if this kind of thing can help with training. Turns out it doesn't, but I tried it. Um, yeah. <laughs> right it is um yeah i don't know it, it's it, i think depends on point maybe it won't be with our sport first but then it'd just be the same as rpe where maybe a sport that in the olympics millions of dollars involved government funding all they do is lift or whatever the hell the sport is and the government like chinese government's doing tests on athletes and they will take it to that level and then 30 years later like rpe came to us later on eventually we start incorporating maybe it's like that but i do know what you mean where it's like we don't know the variables at this point in time we are probably not maximizing our bodies we're just fucking you know doing our best but we I know guess like a handful of the variables and we can right. guess at another handful right to be honest i think that i don't think that we'll ever be at a point where we'll have all of the variables and all of the informations i think the best thing that we'll guess that we'll get is the closest guess possible and I think we'll just have to rock with that. You know what I mean? 
Man. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry, what I was saying before about the unknown variables, the point is that not only can we, do we not know them, but we will never know them. Um, yeah. And so, and so yeah. trying to use them as inputs into an equation is, is a waste yeah. of time because okay. we're never going to know what they all are. So, yeah. okay. Which I'll isn't to say that we shouldn't try, but, you know. I was about to say, so I'll timestamp this and we edit that part out. What's going on here? <laughs> no, 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 no. That was, a, that was a good point of clarification. No, good point of clarification. I'm not saying that we should attempt to figure out what those variables are. I should, I, I'm saying that because it's so complicated, that instead of trying to figure out what they all are, we should find a way to measure what your performance is on the individual day and, and sort of loop back rather than going to the beginning yeah, and saying, yeah, yeah. look, I need you to go into this session. We're having had 200, 2000 milligrams of sodium and uh, yeah, 145 yeah. grams of carbohydrates. And, you know, this is essentially what you're saying is data is king. The more data you collect and then monitor, you see a pattern and you're like, that's interesting. That's actually no. the premise of no. RTS in a way. So go, go ahead, Pana. Yeah, that's that's in a way the premise of RTS. Obviously, I don't want to talk about it uh, for Mike because he's the one behind it. But that's that's what I I loved about it. It was that it wasn't something like uh, I have all the informations. I'm going to give it to give everything to you. It was more that here are the principles. Here are some ways of thinking about the principles. Here are some possible applications. Play along. So it's really that idea of uh, there are some variables. We don't know them yet. So one, we don't know the variables. Two, we don't know how they interact with each other. So how, do you, how the fuck do you want to make something really clear and something quote unquote logical and predictable, 100% in advance, et cetera, et cetera. So the best thing you have, and that's, that's actually the way I also work with myself and with my clients and so on. It's more that we try stuff, uh, variables, we try, certain variables in a certain way. We see how it, how it goes. We see the results we get. Then we change some, some stuff. Then we see how it goes. We see how it gets, et cetera, et cetera. And once you've added like five, six, seven, eight, 10, 15 blocks, 20 blocks, you have those data, you have those informations, obviously um, taking into consideration that they can change and they can vary along the way. The individual can change also and so on and so on. But that's, that's the way I view powerlifting programming at least. Yeah, where you're kind of, um, you don't know what variables are going to matter. You're jotting things down. And then as time goes, enough people in certain places be like, I stumbled across something that seems to be a correlation. Take a look at this. It, you don't know what it is. And eventually, kind of like where I gave a couple of things where like, I, I monitored this, ended up being nothing. Well, I guess it wasn't that. But eventually, somebody somewhere is going to monitor something, be like, bit of a game changer here, guys. You know what I noticed? And then we could all apply it. Until then... You don't yeah. know what you don't know, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's tough. Holy smokes, man. You know how this conversation started? Uh, I forgot. <laughs> with a bubble bath story? It, it, it started I think with that was in the DMs. Penna, <laughs> I think that one was private. Penna strangled a man in a McDonald's bathroom. And, it <laughs> was, and, and they never found his body. Did you know that? That's how this started. And, oh, um, and there's a variable that is in the still famous in words of philosopher Taylor Swift. That if there's no body, there's no crime. So uh, <laughs> that's fine. Even if you admit to it on a podcast. And that is what this podcast will be called. If there's no body, there's no crime. And people are like, I'm going to have to listen to this. Out of context, this is fucking wild. And, uh, you know, um, something that I want to throw that I want to throw in and maybe some people will, will benefit from it, but you know, like six, 
six months ago or eight months ago, I can't remember. I think it was more six months ago. I had a meet. And at the end of this meet, I was drained. Like, no energy, drained, zero. And my deadlift was, so, jack shit because of that, because I was drained. And so back then I wasn't doing SBD days. Like, like only when I was doing mock meets, I was doing squat bench deadlift the same day with uh, high RP single and stuff. And otherwise I wasn't doing it. And so six months ago, I was like, okay, man, like the, exa- the example you gave uh, Ryan with the NBA uh, resonated in me because NBA players are, are playing a fucking NBA game every, every other day in the week. Mm-hmm. And it's an NBA game with like an elite elite athletes like that that could pretty much do everything else because they're so elite like and um and i was like okay so if nba players are playing nba games every other day then i should be able to handle an sbd day every week and so six months ago i started doing sbd sessions every week single in squats single on bench single on dead every week and I did it for like six straight, six straight months and I've seen so many benefits. Like right now, uh, when I'm hitting my deads, my energy level are like so high. I, I don't even feel it because for me, it's now a routine, you know, to eat an SBD session every week, every weekend or whatever. And so I think that playing, practicing the sport is key for powerlifting. And when, whenever I started, oh, sorry, my phone is ringing. And whenever I started implementing um, those SBD sessions, I felt like an extreme uh, level of, of boost uh, within my uh, physical performance and also uh, mental performance because I know how it feels to go into deads with a, a single on bench, a single on squat and having like this two hour, three hours long day before, you know. It's, it's I noticed, sorry, go ahead, Ray. I was going to say, I've seen the same thing a lot. Um, in 2018, I was handling an athlete at nationals who I don't ordinarily coach. I was just, just handling him. Um, and he was not fit enough to make it through the day. Like his training sessions were too short. They weren't intense enough. And so by the time he had a four hour powerlifting meet, like sort of most two thirds of the way done, um, he was gassed and we had to drop a whole bunch of his deadlift warmups. Um, he couldn't warm up fast enough. Uh, for the, the speed that the meet was going you know he had 20 minutes to warm up for deadlifts and he couldn't get it done in time like he with, with the scheduled you know with the scheduled warm-ups he had he was like wasn't ready we were skipping warm-ups um and like that he could have prepared for that by specificity right training to the conditions that a meet happens in other than squats you need to be able to warm up for bench and deadlifts in under 20 minutes um you need to be able to bench after squatting and you need to be able to deadlift after squatting and benching and the easiest way to make sure you can do that is to fucking do it. Well like said. And that guy's name was Brett Gibbs, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, uh, I was going to say to your point, I do notice like a, I think a lot of people are getting hip to that game because not just for a little while there, Ashton Rousko was like, everyone's like, you know, the Ashton Invitational every week where he's constantly doing SBD and going heavy. But I notice a lot of people are doing this. You guys, uh, I mean, Leah Babwa is always doing SBD yeah. as well. And her numbers are absolutely staggering what she's been doing. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people I've noticed. And yeah, I think this is kind of that direction where, you know, if you're going to condition yourself, there's nothing better. It's nothing going to hit it quite like being more specified towards it and doing a lot of variations. Okay. 
but some people are going to add variations just for the shit of doing variations. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's not going to hit the same. Um, so I 100% agree with you. I wanted to ask you a little bit about going into dog. You, you guys realize we're getting close to two hours all fucking ready. Yeah. It is crazy yeah. how quickly we, dude, we, I do it, dude. I, sometimes you, you tell yourself like, I need to have somebody on and I, like, I want to crush some time here. And I'm like, I want a good podcast. And there's a few people I, I go to and I know it's going to be good. And um, obviously like Rory, I know we can shoot this shit for however long, but in terms of guests, like Rory's a host though, but in terms of guests, I knew like I have pen on, we're just going to go, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just going to happen. We don't have to worry. I was like, I don't necessarily even need to have specific questions because we're going to end ill. I'm not going to use them. <laughs> you know, we're going to go off. We're going to go off whatever. Um, but I do, but I do want to, I, we can't not talk about world championships coming up because then people are like, what the shit, dude? Um, so let's talk about it a little bit. This is a stacked class. Penna, we got, so Daniel Clements, I don't know if you, how close attention you've paid, but Daniel Clements hitting over 700 kilo to win the U.S. Raw Nats, two-time world champion, um, Mr. Perfect, Sergey Gladkick coming from Russia. And I don't know if you know the whole background in him or viewers or listeners listening. He won back-to-back world championships and he didn't miss a single lift. As a matter of fact, he didn't get a single red light on a single lift, literally perfection at the world level, incredibly hard to do. And I dubbed him as the commentator, Mr. Perfect. And then um, we also have, uh, fresh out of Sweden as well. It's this is eating home cooking here because Sweden is hosting Eddie Berglund, who is a junior star moving into the open. Eddie's a phenomenal lifter. Uh, we got yourself who can also hit obviously around seven. We got three or four lifters who can all total around 700 kilo, which we've never seen in an IPF world championships. Absolutely stacked 66 kilo class. This might be one of the best stacked classes one through five. It might be one through five. You have some other battles, but one through five, any one of you guys could take it. We could see a podium of 66 is over 700 kilo. I'm not saying it's going to happen because when the battle's on, you're pushed. Some people can miss different lifts, uh, but it's the potential for you top three, at least Daniel, you and Sergey capable of hitting 700 and up. Well, Daniel has Sergey has and you hit 696, which is already fucking there. And you hit over just a stitch overweight, right? So you could go down into it, if I'm not correct. Is that not right? Uh, no, no. Uh, I hit it at, at 65 something, 65.7 or 6. So, so like, okay. I, I was at weight. I was at You're weight. You're at weight. And you hit, you hit yeah. 7. So there you go. So there yeah. you go. So all you guys have hit 700 and up, which is nuts. Are you going to do it all in the exact same day? You know, when you're trying to win, you might pull for a yield or whatever. But it's, that's fucking phenomenal. We've never seen this before. What yeah. are your thoughts going into this? You know, uh, I think I will be more prepared than ever for this meet. Uh, this past year, I had like two or three meets. Um, and actually, I think the, I, I did a meet uh, a little above weight and I did 707.5. And maybe that's the meet you, you were referring that to. That was, earlier. yeah, yeah. So... I think I learned a lot lately uh, on myself as an athlete. Um, and to be honest, I don't know how it's going to, to, to break down and I don't know how it's going to happen, but 
I think I'm hitting, I will hit over 700, like with a margin, I think. Now, is Daniel Clemens going to do it as well? Is uh, To be honest with you, I think the biggest contenders are probably Daniel Clemens and Eddie Berglund. I, I don't see uh, Sergey as, um, as, really? as, as fierce contender as, as those two. Dog, that's because, surprising for you to say. He's yeah, hit 700 really? before. Yeah, but he's, I don't know how to say it. He's like strong on every lift, but he doesn't have that crazy lift where if on this day he's a madman, then, you know, like Daniel Clements, like he can pull like 320 he's a, if he's crazy that day. Eddie can bench like 220 if, it's cra- if he's crazy that day. And for me, he doesn't have that quote-unquote X factor that makes him that competitor where you're like, if he, if he catches fire on his movement, then like if, if Eddie benches 220, 225, man, he's going to total 725 easy, like without breaking a sweat. You know what I mean? Obviously he has to do that, but that's, that's the way I view it. And also same with Dan Clement with his deadlift. Like if he's deadlifting 320, 325, like, you know, that's, that's hard to beat. Where I don't see Sergey having that quote unquote X factor um, making a lift go nuts and his total goes up like 710 plus, 715 plus, 720 plus. Gladkick is ultra consistent, right? Like we, yeah. he's going to squat something between 250 and 250. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah. going to bench 160 or 165 and he's going to deadlift around about 275. Um, and it's yeah. like, there's no chance that he comes in and he pulls 305 or 310 or something, right? Yeah. On the flip side, um, and that's how we became Mr. Perfect is like he was never missing and blah, blah, blah. On the flip side, if, and this is when things get interesting, when a guy like that, I, I accustom him to like a, a Bryce Lewis to an extent and there's other individuals off the top of my head. He, he just comes to me because at one point he was Mr. Consistency as well, where what other people are, are those, those specialists like you name. Like here, here's what I've seen having commentated every session for the past half decade is you will have that crazy big bencher, crazy big squatter, crazy big deadlifter. And they're all in the same uh, session. So the squatter knows I need to go all out and build my total off my squat. The bencher knows I need to go all out on my last bench. The deadlifter, Daniel Clements, if, if you're pulling sumo and you're going all out, it's 50-50 when you get to that top end and it's you got the winning pull in hand. Like It gets dicey. All of it gets dicey when it's the last, right? Sometimes the each individuals get pushed and pushed hard because they know if they're going to win this with a field that deep, they go really big on that one lift. That's yours. You got the big bench. You're going huge on your third bench. You got the big squat, the big, whatever. Right. Um, and sometimes when other people start missing that Mr. Consistency individual that isn't as flashy in one single, but is real even keel across the board. We've seen it where people are super hyped thinking, you know, the 83s for, for us raw Nats, we could have, Four people, 8.30 and up, and really only one guy was 8.30 and up. And everyone else will start a missing list here and there. So if it can happen where that dude is even keel across the board, 700 even wins it. And everyone else is like, shit, we thought we were going to see 725. Like, it's tough. It does happen yeah. where there's something to be said for that guy who's super consistent. Let me, let me go right through. I might do a 705, but that might be all I need. And you might yeah. be capable of 720, but when you're towing that line of brilliance with one lift, like a Eddie Berglund bench, 
you can be brilliant and hit it or, or fucking not same with that deadlift brilliantly yeah. hit it. And like, Oh my God, or you're hitting it in the warm up room after you'd missed it on your third, like it happened to Daniel before it's, it's tough, man. That's what makes the sport yeah. so beautiful. That's what makes it like, we got, we got I mean, yeah. Berglund bombed at last worlds, right. For, for yeah. exactly that reason. Like, what did he try to open his bench on like 220 and then missed it three times or something on bench of all things. No, it wasn't, it wasn't that high. I think it was What's lower. It I think it was two, two, uh, 200 to, or 205. I think I think something he should have hit. Yeah, yeah, but I think you're right. It was uh, 205. Yeah, you know the thing is that uh, so I'll, I'll post it uh, tomorrow. I think on my SBD recap, you'll see that we just actually got the brand new Elico rack uh, in our gym, uh, which is completely different when you compare that to the previous ones. And so at Worlds in 2019, what happened was it was the first time this Elico rack was brought up. And when I, I'm not shitting you, it's like rock solid. It's like you punch in a wall, you punch into the bench, that's the same. Hmm. And not only is it way harder, way stiffer, it's, it also has a little, uh, a little grippy surface. And so if you want to slide in order to set yourself like Eddie does, for instance, or like myself, I, I do it uh, also in a way, you can't because the grippy surface will like pull your shirt apart like super, super hard. And also it's shorter than the previous ones. It's probably like two, three centimeters shorter, but it's shorter. And so if you add all of those variables in, if you have a a bench specialist, like for instance, Eddie, and he's not used to bench on that bench, I think he's going to have troubles again. Like all of my bench sessions are going to be made on this specific bench now that we have it, Mm. all of them. And today I, I grinded a 175 kilo uh, bench that I shouldn't have grinded because <laughs> I wasn't able to I wasn't able to set myself the way I used to and so on and so on because last week I had like a 175 which was RP eight and a half this week I was expecting 180 and like <laughs> I'm glad I loaded only 175 because like it was a, a 40 a 14 or 15 seconds grinder uh, oh, on the 175. What is the because matter with your nervous I, system? <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't able to set. Like my feet were like, uh, so usually what I do is I, I grip uh, with my knees. I grip the end part of the bench, and so this way I can have my leg drive and be, make sure that my butt doesn't come come off the bench and that my feet are stuck because I'm gripping everything with my knees. And so since this bench is shorter, I can do that. Or if I do that, I have to put myself way below the racks. And so I may end up risking hitting the racks while mm. benching. And so this uh, today I was like, you know, whatever, I'm not going to grip the bench with my knees. And so, you know, big mistake because <laughs> it was like my absolute grinder to this day. And it's like, I'm, I'm shaking everywhere where I usually don't shake on bench while, while grinding. But, you know, and I think that can play a role on Eddie's performance. And I hope he will train on this bench uh, in order to not be surprised uh, on the day of the meet. Because, uh, like, you know, what we were saying earlier, Eddie's my comp- competitor, he's my contender, but, like, he's a sweet soul, and I just have nothing but love for him. And I wish I wish him best, although I wish I beat him, and I think I will, but, you know, <laughs> I wish him all the best, although we're contenders. I love how you referred to him as a sweet soul. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, one time, I, I swear to God this happened, um, Penna had a grinder and it was 
it was such a grinder and there was so much pressure and he was grinding for so long that um, by the time he got off the bench, I shit you not, he was no longer clean shaven, full beard. <laughs> That's fact. That's fact. That happened. Full beard. And that, I don't know if it's the friction or what the science behind that was. Uh, the testosterone levels just through the roof and full fucking beard. It was, it was magnificent. Um, he's built different. That's built different. Dude, you know, six too. months and 15 seconds. He, six, he lost six months of his life. No, no, no. Hey, listen, there's a, re- there's, there's a yin and a yang. Okay. Please don't say that because I'm getting white hair right now, and it is. that that it, may be linked to that. I think I, I think I can see it coming through in your beard there as well, man. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Dude, but the, it's. I'm sorry. I, I did a ten. I think I, I did ten seconds grind on my squat today, uh, fifteen on bench, and it was quicker on deads. I think it was like maybe six seconds to complete. But last week I did a two eighty uh, single, and I I grinded for nineteen seconds on deadlifts. Dude, I have to like blink four times to get it all in. Like I've blinked four times and you're still going. It's insane. You know, the, the guys at the gym like stopped uh, cheering cheering me on, you know, because <laughs> it was so long and you, you don't have any voice right past that. Yeah, and... like, yeah, this with, is... the, with the old Instagram, you would have had to cut that video in two to like and upload it twice yeah. as two separate yeah. bits. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Part one and part two. That's legit. You would have had to. That's a pretty wild thing to think of. Yeah. And, and you know, but to be honest, I, I really enjoy it. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm not in any pain or whatever. It's just, you know, I just have to grind it through. And that's what I do. You know, everybody's different, dude. Yeah. Uh, like, obviously, you've put up absolutely insane numbers on the platform. It's not just like in the gym or whatever. You've already proven it on the platform. Um, like some of the biggest totals we've seen in the division's history. So it is what it is, man. You'd be a fool to try to stop it. Like if you hooked up with a coach and it's like, we want to go speed, speed, less grinding, less blah, blah, blah. It's like, man, it's a hell of a risk for me to completely change everything I've done when I'm this close. Um, how is this thing going to shake up? What do you mean? What's your prediction? Oh. For, for the sixty-six kilo class, as well as the sixty-three kilo class and the women's, where your girl Leah, I want if, both. If I you want, want if you want, we can also do the forty-seven open women because that's Tiffany's in there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's yeah. another. Were you were you coaching Tiffany previously when I last uh, had you on? I can't remember. No, no, no. She she, she wasn't powerlifting back then. That's crazy. She just started like one year ago or one year and a half. She she comes from boxing actually and really yeah yeah and the thing is that i went with leah to do a, a seminar in the gym that she was turning in and so she was there you know uh, all cute uh, writing everything down in her little notebook and stuff and so you know i i i checked that and i was like oh she's she's really in the sport you no know, she's interested and so um the thing is that back then she she couldn't compete in boxing because she was too too light she was like 40, 40 kilos, 40.5. So extremely light. One sec and, for, for a North American. Yeah, Let me just for, quickly yeah, convert yeah, this, yeah. my man. I think that it's is 90 pounds. 88 pounds. Oh my Yeah, 88 God. pounds. Okay. Yeah. So she, she, she didn't have any competition because like, you know, you have to find people around your weight class in boxing in order to have a boxing match. But she, she couldn't. Because she was 18 or 19, 18 back then. And so, you know, she was like too old and too light. And so 
she was powerlifting and uh, you know she had some potential because I think she hit like a 250 to 60 total around 40 kilos body weight back then which was like pretty decent and so she came at the gym once twice uh, she started uh, working uh, with another guy that we have in at the gym uh, whose name is Julien and then back then um, she she came to me um, for me to coach her like over a year ago I think it's it, it is right now and so we started working together and now um, and now she's close to 400 kilos total in training. It's insane. Okay. So for people who like anyone listening, if you're, if you ha- if you're not paying attention to the 47 kilo class, Heather Connor is the 47 kilo queen. And she just hit one of the longest standing powerlifting records we got in the, in the classic because records fall all the time with a 408, I believe. And Heather's yeah. the goat for this lady, Tiffany to be a teen hasn't even filled out the 47s, only been training a year, and she's a teenager, and she's still not filling out the 47s, let alone cutting down at all. For her to be in the late 300s, pushing in on 400 is insane, man. Yeah. In, in a year, in yeah. a year's training, like her future, by the time she makes it into the open, my God, man. Yeah. And, you know, to, 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 to link everything, uh, at first, we talked about belief. And the thing is that since Tiffany is training with us, and especially with Leah, because she looks up to Leah, for her, she's, she's not that great. She's not strong. <laughs> and I think the fact, the fact that she thinks she's not strong is actually a part of the reason why she pushed that far that fast. Because she's like, I have to be, get better because when you compare my numbers to Leah's, then I'm not good. I'm not strong. But yeah, you're 20 kilos under Leah and stuff and whatnot. But, you know, and Leah is probably top three girls in the world right now. Um, and for me, uh, next 63 kilos goat. But that's, that's, another, that's another argument. But yeah, yeah, T- Tiffany, she's a monster. And, you know, I, I don't know if she's going to, to beat Heather because Heather is probably actu- actually like at, at the time we're speaking the best in the 47s and she has been for years now, but I think Tiffany is going to be a really great competition for her. And, you know, I'm, I really, I really think she can beat her. Yeah. If, if not, yeah. If not now, like if not be really close. Yeah. Yeah. Make it at least give her, give her like everybody yeah. an entertaining yeah. go and Heather yeah. go where at least Heather's like, all right, I can't miss lifts. I can't, I'm not just going to eat food here. I got to make sure I get my lifts in, um, yeah. which, which is all you can ask if when you're, closest competitor is a teenager who's just been training a year that's fucking remarkable that's remarkable you know and down the road who knows what she's going to be capable of um and also there is there's a famous quote by a jujitsu guy hicks and gracie and someone's asking him like how do you get so good and he's like listen and and like and the person named all these people that he wanted to be like and hickson goes if you want to be a lion you have to start training with lions and that's what tiffany's doing where she's like no i need to do better i show up every fucking day and i gotta i gotta pick it up i gotta pick it up i can't uh i'm not going home early i'm not i seen i seen fucking penna grow a beard over the one rep of a bench press you're telling me i'm not working hard enough when i when i'm done squatting and i gotta shave my legs again we're good we're getting there we're getting close (laughs) we're getting close to peaking that's that's the barometer there's the variable rory Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the variable. Okay. It's this, but um, yeah, but you know, at first she wasn't really grinding uh, a lot 
And she was like, yeah, but he was too heavy. He was too heavy. And I was like, did you look at me? Like, <laughs> don't give up halfway. And she was like halfway through. And she was like, no, it's not. It's too heavy. And she was, she was like letting go of the bar. And I was like, never let go of the bar. Like you right. grind as, as hard as you can. And if it's not good because your butt came off the bench or the bar came down or whatever, then the refs are going to give red light. But you're not the one deciding that you have to stop mid-rep. Like you go all in and you give it your absolute best. And if it's, it's, if it's going through, it's going through. And if it's not, it's not. And, you know, I, yeah, I think she, she, like you said, in a way, she, she's training with lions. And the thing is that she's training with unsatisfied lions because as strong as Leah is, she's not satisfied uh, with her, herself, uh, with her lifts. And as strong as I am, that's the same for me. So Tiffany's in the same school as us where she hits like crazy numbers pretty much every week. And she's like, that's it. <laughs> I need more. I'm yeah, let's see how it goes next week, you know. It's funny. I mean, I, I, I totally get it where I remember when I, I still remember when I first started lifting and you, you don't. It sounds weird now. If you're a powerlifter listening about like like stopping in between reps or whatever. I remember first starting and when you actually start fighting for some reps or you actually just get used to a heavy weight and you're like, like during the lockdown, I took a couple injuries early on right after last Worlds and I was like on and off like a year doing mostly bodybuilding, upper body stuff or whatever the hell because torn calf, back injury, tore the calf again. It was shit for like a year. And then when I started getting back in, I was iffy with certain heavyweights. And when you started un unracking certain weights, you're like, this feels heavy. And then you, you start, you kind of forget, no, it's a, it feels heavy though. That's fine. It's supposed to feel heavy. Oh, I had to work mid rep. I paused. I slowed down a little bit. It's like, you almost forget though. But now when I'm knee deep in the shit, so to speak, in this crazy volume, and you have someone saying, you got to start hitting certain numbers. It, or else. And I remember like Jason Trombley wrote this program is like, I understand you got to do RPs, but I really got, can't stress enough. If you don't hit proper numbers enough times, you're just not going to get stronger. It doesn't matter how much volume you do. So then you start realizing heavy. It, it just feels you get used to it slows and you keep moving through it. it. You get used to that. You get used to, I am working now. This third, this top triple was slower, but I'm that's what work feels like. And if you're not used to that feeling, when you see people, when they first come into the sport, they don't know how strong they are because when you feel that for the first time on the squat, you were like, holy shit, that was too heavy. Now you got, you, you probably have so much more that you don't even know. You just haven't had to put your foot, foot on the gas and go with this fifth, sixth gear before. You know what I mean? I mean it's, a lot uh, of people, a lot of people have never worked before, right? Like a lot of people come into the gym and they've they fucked around. Maybe they fucked around with a team sport in high school where they sort of had to run some laps or something. And that was kind of the extent of their training. Um, and then when you're in front of a coach who's saying like, actually, actually you can do better than that. And, and I want to see you do better than that next time. And you actually have to try for the first time. Like that's, that's quite a big difference. It's quite a big change. Yeah. yeah like, like that was heavy. No, it was heavy, but it's all going to be heavy after. A yeah, it was, yeah. It was 200 kilos. Like, yeah, it, like it was heavy, but it, will, it doesn't mean you were going to fail. You need to work through it. You need to like, yeah, it's slowed. Keep going. Like, you know, let's go. <laughs> uh, when you when you reposted the the double I did with two eighty, some people in the comments were like, "So the guy just grinds, absolutely grinds the first rep, and he's like, I'm good for a second one." And <laughs> honestly, when I did the first rep, I was like, "Oh, let's go. The second is going to be easy." And 
I think I could have done a triple with that weight that day. And I didn't post the, the 282 I did uh, on Tuesday, but that was exactly the same scenario. Like the first one was slow, but I was like, okay, let's go. The second one will be okay. And I, I, I did the second one without any problem. So like you said, I think um, sometimes you have to be, you, you have to be willing to work in a way. And you also have to understand that no one is going to do it, to do it for you. And that, your competition is working hard. And so if you want to be the best, then you, you have to work like a madman, like a madman, you know, like a maniac. And that's what I do. Like, even if I get beat at Worlds, no one is going to outwork me regarding the heart and regarding uh, the amount of, of work I put in in the gym, you know. Not going to yeah. lose because you didn't do the work. That's exactly yeah. what it is. That's what. That's where it's a lot easier to accept if someone takes a gold or whatever the heck you end up, it's not going to be easy to accept, but easier when you like, yeah. I did everything I could. Yeah. Like, like he was I, the better guy. He was the better guy. That's it. Is what it is. Execution yeah. or, you know yeah. what? I missed a lift, but I came fucking ready to rumble. I'm not, no regrets. Yeah. And if you have, yeah. you had a phenomenal day, you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe how good I did. Nonetheless, you know, then whatever. Can hang your yeah. hat on that. So, what was the predict? Did we get two predictions out of you? You think Leah is going to win the sixty threes? Yeah. And what do you think of the sixty sixes, sir? You, you you're predicting you come in fifth? Mm. <laughs> the joke, sir. Yeah. You go, you go. You go. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, to be honest with you, when when I heard that worlds were going to be in Sweden, it was like a blessing for me. I was like, man. I think it, it was made for me in a way because my worst uh, feeling and my worst memory of a powerlifting meet to this day is 2019 in Sweden. Um, and so on that day, I think I, I, I beat more than I could chew. And I, I don't want to say it haunts me to this day because none of that, but um, I really am not proud of myself for what I did uh, in Sweden. So when I heard that 2021 was going to be in Sweden, I was like, the gods of powerlifting are with me, you know? And so, yeah, uh, I think I'm going to be first. That's it, buddy. I fucking love somebody who comes on here and, uh, and says, I'm going to be first. I had Daniel Clements on here. He's super confident as well. And um, I was like, what's your message to the other 66s? And he's like, when it comes to deadlifts, you better pull something out of your ass because I'm going to have the win in my hands. And um, so he's uber confident. Everybody's a lion. They're all lions. Can I respond to that or? Yeah, you, yeah, you fucking better. Okay. Um, you know, I think aiming for a 350 deadlift is something cool, but maybe unrealistic. Three? So, <laughs> no, I don't know. This guy, that's a hell of a subtotal, love. I can't wait to no. see. <laughs> that's that's what i was uh you know with my uh quote unquote uh with the guy that i hate uh, which is uh, also in france uh when whenever we were fucking around with my friends they're like yeah he's going to beat you i'm like yeah is he ready to load 330 340 345 <laughs> then yeah no problem he's going to beat me if he deadlifts 345 you know yeah, but God. he first has to deadlift 345 yeah so, but it's like what it's like i'll have the winning dead in my hands that's gonna be yeah, 350 go ahead sir. And- Go ahead, love. <laughs> Go ahead, love. Like, like I, I'm, I'm actually going to cheer you up because yeah, if yeah. you do a 350 deadlift, that's going to be insane, you know. And Dog, I want to see that. 
That's the best comeback for a deadlift specialist that I've heard. When they're like, I will have the winning dead in my hands though. And you're like, good luck with, and then enter the number. That's the yeah. best comeback I've heard. Yeah. Hats off to you, sir. Um, well played. Listen, it's, uh, we're at two and a half hours here. I still got a fucking speaking of, I got to fucking train myself because these, this freaking program on is, is incredible. Um, but dude, thank you very much for coming on Pena. Like, like it's a, we, we crush over two hours every time. Easy. Um, when we're in Sweden, unfortunately, Rory won't be able to get there because of, uh, New Zealand. But when we're in Sweden, my man, obviously good luck. I'll be calling it, but let's, let's do a podcast live. Let's, uh, you know, let's link up for beers afterwards. Let's do our damn thing and, uh, let everybody know how they get a hold of you for coaching as well. Yeah. So, uh, first, thanks a lot for having me really always a pleasure. And I really can't wait to showcase something interesting at worlds for you to be able to hype everything up properly you know you bet. i'll do that don't worry i'll do that um so uh they can they can shoot me shoot a dm uh on insta or we can also meet in the bathroom if they want <laughs> you go, Does come that cost extra? Extra? Right. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> And Rory, how about people, uh, if they, we, we got to start doing these off the top instead of at the end of the podcast, but um, how do people get a hold of you as well, sir? Uh, you can find me at Rory Lynch on Instagram or at Sisyphus Strength or SisyphusStrength.com. Um, yeah. I'll tag anyone listening to this. If you need to know any of the, the pronunciations or writings or anything of these gentlemen for their Instagrams, I'll tag them all in the post and uh, just slide into the DMs the old fashioned way. Gentlemen, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. We will all talk shortly. Um, good luck, man. Good luck, my friend. Thanks a lot. See you, fellas. Thanks, y'all. Yeah.